episode of Rankin Review, part three of our three-part best of the 20-teens. We'll be ranking our top ten horror movies from the 20-teens and reviewing the films It Follows and The Wailing. And by we, I mean myself, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons, my co-hosts, Mr. Lee Beckman and Jason Dubray. Jason Dubray is the host of the Shelf Shedding Movie Podcast, which is healthy food for your ears. Yes, we're doing the top 10, but this episode, as it sort of marks halfway through the 10th season, is also officially commemorating the 10th anniversary of Rankin Review, and I think it's a great episode to do it on. So, happy anniversary, Rankin Review. Happy top 10 of the 20 teens. I'm going to go ahead and dedicate this episode, and indeed this season, to my friend Kevin Stiller, who passed away recently. Uh, friend of the show, guest of the show, and, well, friend of me, damn it. So, big love to Kevin, big love to everyone who's been supporting Rank and Review. I hope you enjoy the third and final entry of the best of the 20 teens. You can send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. You can check out the website at rankandreview.ca. Now let's listen to the best of the 20 teens. Part three. What exactly is supposed to be following you? I don't know. Just pass it along. You believe me, right? Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> See? Everything's okay. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> her and goes straight down the line whoever started it. It's gonna be here sooner or later. Okay, it follows. So, there's a lot to be said about it. It's a supernatural entity that follows you like an STD and that you you catch it from having sex and you pass it on by having sex but it's this sort of bizarre chain letter thing like whoever you pass it on to will hopefully pass it on to someone else because if that thing catches them and you're next on the list you're back on the on the hook yeah um so cool idea and the presentation of the movie is almost as if it was made in the 80s by yep. 
John Carpenter or somebody who was severely influenced by John Carpenter. And we've been seeing a lot of this in the age of like Stranger Things and, uh, you know, nostalgia baiting type of movies. But in this one, I think it's done with purpose. Yep, it's done deliberately. And uh, sort of reminding you, in a weird way, reminding you that you're in this sort of B-movie aesthetic Mm -hmm. is kind of part of the fun of the movie. But Mm -hmm. our main character finds herself in this position. She meets a boy that she likes. He seems a little bit strange. Um goes to a movie theater and he seems distracted like he's always looking out for someone else over his shoulder like his ex-girlfriend's gonna show up yeah they end up in a parking lot in a car they make love and all of a sudden he puts some uh what do you call it chloroform over her mouth knocks her out she wakes up and she's strapped to a wheelchair and he unspools in a scene of complete you know just story dump (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is your situation. I apologize for doing this to you. Do you see it? Do you see this thing coming towards you? Yeah. And from that moment on, we're locked into her perspective. And the first couple times she sees someone following her, like the old lady in the hospital gown in her school, we don't understand that she's the only person that can see it. It's sort of slowly unspooled to us. Well, if you've been infected by it, you can still see it if it's not hunting you, but, but yes. Yeah, nobody else in the hallway sees the old lady in the hospital gown, and uh, and she's calling out, and they're looking at her like she's crazy, and we have to like do the math ourselves. And I kind of like appreciated how it was handled. It's a cool concept for a movie, and uh, we're introduced to a group of kids who first don't believe her, but then are put in a position where unquestionably she's telling the truth. They can't go to the authorities. What are they going to do about the supernatural curse? Mm-hmm. Such is the premise for It Follows, and I enjoy it a great deal. It maybe should have been in my top 30, but uh, I have some issues with the third act, some choices made in the story in the third act. It was just enough of an excuse to keep it off the list, but I have a lot of respect for the movie. And it's not just about member berries. It's not just about, you know... <laughs> Don't you like John Carpenter? Doesn't this remind you of other better movies that it has its own story to tell and its own tricks to pull? So I am positive about this movie. It's just happened to come out in the middle of an incredibly thick decade of Mm -hmm. great horror movies. So. That's where I start on It Follows. You selected it, Lee, so I will hand it over to you. (laughs) Yep. Um, I love the script uh, of uh, of this movie to begin with. Uh, I know that the writer and the director are the same. David Robert Mitchell, I think it is. David Robert Mitchell. Um, yeah. It's his name. I never did see his sophomore effort. No, this is his sophomore effort. I, di- I didn't see his third one. Um, I like uh, the fact that we don't learn a lot about the rules of the creature, that a lot of things are pretty vague. Um, I mean, there's enough laid out, you know, for the universe for it to to move. Uh, But I love the fact that it's smart enough to leave so many things sort of open-ended. Something will be following you. It might look like someone you know. It might not. Yeah. But it'll be walking. It'll be looking for you. And it's on the way. Yeah. I would argue it's not a ghost, though. It's a demon because it has to abide by the law of physics. 
because you can put things over it, you can shoot and distract it, you can't kill it, obviously, at least not by with a bullet to a head, but it does, you know, it has to break a window to get into the house. So I don't think it's a ghost, I think it's a demon, and since it has to abide by the law of physics, you can also entrap it. So that is another way to sort of get around it. You wouldn't kill it, but if you set up some sort of cement or some unforceable steel that, you know, you get around it, you could. It also means you have to constantly be conscious of not boxing yourself in. Yes, therein lies the rub. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, This time I I picked up a lot more sort of visual (coughs) clues. Uh, Every time the red shows up in the movie, like it, it, it showed up enough that I thought, okay, there's something about this. Why is the filmmaker showing you know all this red? And it's a it's a warning that that, that the very next thing or the very close thing is that the creature's going to show up. I also you know, clucked in a lot more. I remembered why there's such weird things about technology because it has like those old phones from the 70s and 80s you'd have in the house. At the same time, uh, one of the girls is using this e-reader, and I thought, is this something as well? Is that whenever the creature is, but uh, the, you know, whenever the old technology shows up, the creature kind of comes in. At one point, I thought it was sort of inter- interdimensional, but no, it's just a filmmaking um, tactic by the director and the. It's son. not 80s. It just feels 80s yeah mm-hmm. but it's done to disorient the viewer and it, he says this movie did come out of a dream surprise surprise so there's a sort of fever dream quality to it you know and once again all the actors are well positioned in this movie like it's it is well once again composition i know i have used that word quite a bit in this show but you know that everything even when there's nothing to do with plot, there's something to look at and keep your brain stimulated. And I also appreciate that because it is not a very, I mean, it does move, but it does take its time. This thing that, you know, it can walk. (laughs) Well, and like so many movies of this decade, it's very much about its vibe and atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, It's almost as important as any other single element. Yeah. It's not an afterthought. Like, yeah. The disturbing, the the frightening, escalating, disturbing tone is the point. Yeah. And it just winds up beautifully to me. (laughs) I just, as it progressed and progressed, I felt tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And I love the fact that it's not really a happy ending, that um, it's, um, this is not going to end well for these two. Well, uh, it's certainly an uncertain ending. Certainly an uncertain ending. Can I yep. say that? <laughs> yep, yep. Um, ambiguity, I guess. Um, they haven't solved the problem. Yep. Which, for me, <clears throat> might be a problem. Okay, fair enough. But, but to be continued, I want to hear what DuBray has sorry. to say. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. I, I think I appreciated the, the technical qualities of it even more in this recent second watch um also you can watch like i revisiting a carpenter movie you see the stuff that's going on in the background mm-hmm. i noticed there's lots of scenes where in the background there's young people flirting with each other mm-hmm. which i thought was brilliant it's you know the spread of this this virus or this demon um could could easily happen and and it seems to be hitting her at the worst possible time yeah. in her life <laughs> I, I i don't yeah. know why though and maybe it's because I, I knew i had to review it i i was being very i was fighting the movie i was being nitpicky about a bunch of things that i just don't think would happen 
in reality, if I'm supposed to take this as a realistic movie, or am I not? You know, uh, they're trying to track down this boyfriend who's completely disappeared uh, yeah. after this basically creepy kidnapping and then un- unloading all this stuff. Uh, and then they kind of figure out where he went to high school. They go to the high school and get all of his personal information. I work in a high school. A group of college-age people come to the main office and ask for stuff. We're not going to open yeah. up the, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, this is yeah. where this uh, former I mean, student which is, lives. Which is fair, which is fair. I There's mean, lots I, it's been really nitpicky, though. of disbelief in but, this B-movie. But it, it, it looks good. And I, I, I had a big thing about how, especially the opening shot and the cinematography is, mm-hmm. I, I have a little bit of, I, I used to like this. I, I first clocked this on, on with the TV show Breaking Bad, that they would do this a lot. Um, but the wheelchair cam during like the reveal scene Once annoyed me. Into her. Yeah. It really annoyed me. I mean, I'm supposed to be feeling all of this suspense and I'm, I'm just like, oh, why, why did you make that choice? I mean, like, I, why not? If you're going to do that, maybe do just a straight point of view shot instead. But again, I don't know why I was fighting it as much. If I'm really, really invested in, in it, then I'm, I'm going to forgive all of its, all of its problems. I gain back to positives. Uses silences so well. Mm. You know, it's built up and the suspense is in the silence. I love when movies do this. I mean, I, I don't know how much we want to kind of spoil or ruin spoil, the end. Spoil but but I mean, spoilers. you know, the, the, that image, and I know, and you're maybe going to talk about the, the problems you have with the swimming pool climax. It is built up. The first shot we... We have is of our protagonist in floating the, in a pool. Floating mm-hmm. in a pool, so we we know something's going to happen with that. That's not there by accident, but the image of the the blood in the pool that's just it just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so many professional, amazing looking things. I would not, I, I certainly would not give up on this director, but I just find myself a little bit more mixed. But I will revisit it. I will enjoy it. But it's uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't make my list, and I'm, I'm not sure I was even getting consider it for my list sadly i mean i top 50 easily but i weighed it i weighed it for the list like it was definitely under consideration but it didn't quite make it and but i would recommend it to people and horror fans like i I get its reputation and again any other decade it would be on the list and probably high i also really like that they don't know what it will look like Mm -hmm. but it can choose to look like someone they know Mm -hmm. it's very sort of seated this whole the father's not in the picture Mm -hmm. there's photographs of him in the house but we never see him she looks the parents are nearly obsolete we know Mm -hmm. narratively about the mother but she's always off camera the only time we ever really see her is when she's hugging her child at you know near the near the end of the movie but Mm -hmm. towards the climax when it comes into the the swimming pool it's her dad and they're asking her who it is and she doesn't even want to answer and it's so personal to her Mm -hmm. or the fact that it shows up stark naked a few times well there there there's a sexual intent to it you get it through sex and it's implied that it kills you with sex it like Mm -hmm. fucks you to death or some sort of supernatural equivalent of whatever that would be (laughs) um but yeah the old man stark naked standing on the roof well it's the father i think yeah um troubling troubling and because you never know what you're going to get but sometimes they'll stand out in a crowd and sometimes you won't it has you looking all over the screen and the director knows that 
and uses it very well. On that level, the movie is impeccable. Um, I do have issues with the third act. And um, I was talking with my buddy Matt about the movie The Ring. Yeah. It's another curse movie. Hey, this is arguably yep. a curse movie. And I said, I've got The Ring cracked, by the way, buddy. If I, get, if I watch The Ring tape, I'm giving it to you. And you're going to watch it. And then you're going to give it to me a week later. And I'm going to watch it. And then I'm going to give it to you a week later. And you're going to watch it. And in between, we're going to make fun of Samar. <laughs> because we're not spreading her curse, but we're still showing her tape. And fuck you, right? Yeah. And ha ha ha, we had a good laugh about it. But, I mean, that didn't really occur to me until a decade or so after I'd seen the movie. Yeah. Right away with this movie, I saw tactics and decisions and things that they could do that do not equal this Scooby-Doo ending with a bunch of kids with electrical appliances breaking sure. into the swimming pool, luring it into the middle of the water, I guess so they could see it, I guess was the idea when it was in the water they would be able to all clock where it was. Well, maybe. the plan is terrible. It, it doesn't is. make mm -hmm. any sense. Oh. It doesn't make mm -hmm. a little bit of sense. It is not the plan of a child. It is the plan of a stupid child. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you discovered you had this, would you get on a bike and go to the creepiest park possible? By yourself? Or go with a group to the Once lake? Once again, or, fight or flight. I mean, they don't know... I, I, I have to remind myself, they don't know they're in a horror movie. Right. I mean, they're experiencing something eventually where they're like, this is... I'm not bothered with them going to the lake. They don't believe her yet at that point. But what about her biking away like that and getting away from... Fight or flight. Yeah. yeah. That's fight uh, or flight. Yeah. And again, like, it would be a hard thing to wrap your head around and, like, make real for yourself. Mm -hmm. And she saw the tall man, boogeyman in her house. The rest of them didn't. They yeah. just saw her freak out and flee the place. Mm -hmm. So I get her friends not believing her, but still being care caring about her and wanting her yeah. to solve. But the choices that they make to do it, like... The one guy who's obviously in love with her uh, offers to sleep with her, but she yeah. won't do that. But she will sleep with the hot guy across the street, who yeah. consequently is fucked to death by a his supernatural mom. visage of his mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good times. That yeah. guy was actually in Beneath, that actor. Yes, he was. Um, yeah. Fun fun fact. Um, and he was a decent honestly, guy, too. I mean, he, you know... They talk about yeah. going to a prostitute pretty early in the mo movie, but mm -hmm. once you know for a fact, yes, you are being haunted by a supernatural rape demon, your options are get raped to death by the visage of your father mm -hmm. or well, take a road trip, sleep with a prostitute, keep going on that road trip, sleep with another prostitute, I don't know, fly to Honolulu if you can afford it, Sleep with a prostitute, fly home, you're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, and like, it didn't take me years to come up with this conclusion, right? Yep. But you're a bunch of young college kids. I mean, they obviously have, some of them have some money, but it just... The fact that it's a bunch of young college kids arguably makes it worse. If the solution is have lots of sex, young college kids, mm -hmm. we're fine. Mm -hmm. Send them to the Piranha 3D movie and... <laughs> Put them in an orgy and it's fine. <laughs> Again, it's bad news. Somebody somewhere is going to be raped to death by this evil spirit. And that is not a good thing. But it is a very 
very easy and available solution that gets talked about but not really used until the end of the movie for no other reason than they need the movie to continue. And for all the things they could come up with, it wasn't to try to confront the demon or exercise it. It was this ridiculous pool plot. And it was entertaining and funny and inexplicable while I was watching it, but it dropped the movie down a level for me. See, I, I bought what he was selling me yeah. with his comment that mm-hmm. this is what kids would do, to, you know, come up with some sort of plan that they did not think about. Um, I think as well, I mean, the movie is part homage, <laughs> and I bought that. I mean, it, like I said, it's deliberately given a cheesy title called It Follows, um, and it's a love letter, much like Cabin in the Woods, that yes, you can nitpick, if you wish all you know what doesn't work for the movie and how you know this is not believable mm-hmm. um i would argue at some point and it doesn't always work with certain movies like there's some movies where they're so bad that it just adds on top of the i won't buy the the leaps of faith that the movie wants yeah. me to ask um wouldn't it be nice though if the third act was as smart as the premise it is a good premise i mean and and it plays on that idea like the mythology around horror movies about the virgin is the you know the survival that's the only the final safe girl, person the person you know, who doesn't and have so sex it yep. still has that republican don't have sex <laughs> before sex marriage bad. or yep. sex is bad thing yeah connected to it uh but in a, a 21st century way so i i really want to love this movie lee i, I really hey would, it's I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not offended close, but i'm i i don't know why i was i was fighting it i we're doing a top 30 it would probably be in the top 50 for yeah. me, it just yeah. didn't make the top me too. thirty. Um, Maybe top again, forty. Even. Shout out disaster piece. Uh, the soundtrack. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very the music's much, great. Yeah. Well, very much in, like an homage, Carpenter esque soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I love the vibe and the patience and having you looking in the background. You stop in a way it distracts you from the the dialogue. After a yep. while, you're like, yeah, but keep an eye on your background, you guys. Yeah, no, no. Like you do actually pick up more of, of the creature. With, with with each viewing, I, I believe. Um, but I do love the fact that they explores that whole panovision thing that Carpenter used to use with Halloween and other filmmakers tried at some point. And it is to look at the sort of, you know, what's provided in the background on how, how it comes sort of center stage or the foreground out of nowhere. Um, I think at one point it does provide a jump, jump scare or two. But it's not reliant on it. It's yeah. like, you know this thing is coming and you don't know where and you don't know when. And yep. that's the horror. Yep. Gentlemen, welcome to the top ten time. Oh, now it's getting real. Lee Beckman, what was the tenth best horror movie of the twenty teens? Well, it's just so funny because we just talked about this in its Get Out by Jordan Peele. (laughs) I agree with you that well, I did put it in my top ten. I just it felt like it had to be there, but there were so many well, it's a really good movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um I do like there was an interview I saw with Quentin Tarantino and he talked about, because he saw it opening weekend and he saw it on a mostly black audience and he, and 
he described it as a lot of the African American community got a lot of sort of sort of the social anxiety. Like it's an unpleasant movie for them. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but also like the, the rare honesty on the screen uh, that the white audience had a different reaction to it than mm-hmm. obviously the African American audience. Which, mm-hmm. which I mean, it's the only like it's uh, a film that only a uh, black filmmaker could make. And this uh, was a debut film. I yeah. Mean, and we didn't really talk about Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Oh, no, he's good. Once again, the cast is amazing. Uh, I like Stephen Root in a weird yes, supporting role. He's a guy who just shows up in interesting roles. Like, yep. <laughs> the weird mumbling dude from Office Space is now <laughs> yeah. showing up in these horror movies. Oh, Jason. Uh, our mutual friend Jason fucking loves that uh, that actor. Yeah. Calls him Stephen Root. Yeah. Yep. No, and uh, no, I have no bad things to say. I just put it on the list. So, yep. I, are we going to hear about it yet? Still, well, I think we will. Okay. Um, well, I also love how it's beautifully shot. Like just once mm-hmm. again, I, I've said this weird. Like the, the, just the shot comp, uh, um, composition uh, of that movie. It is a very well shot movie, and it's true. The script was strong enough that if he he could have gone, you know, standard Kevin Smith style, yeah, uh, you know, medium shot close up, and yeah. the job mm-hmm. would have been done. But he is stylistically very strong. Oh. The sunken place and the visualization yeah. of that is really amazing. Well done. Shout out to the cinematographer Toby Oliver. I thought I would say since he doesn't get enough love, yeah. uh, but obviously Jordan Peele is the star of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also there's an amusing uh, fan theory yeah. about the movie yeah. that it's an unofficial sequel to being John Malkovich. I could buy that. Catherine Keener's character, who's mm-hmm. obsessed mm-hmm. with control and identity, ends up hooking up somehow with Bradley Whitford, and this yeah. is her fate. Yeah. I really like that. Well, I that's mean, cool. Yeah. It, it works enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I do also like his friend, who you know, obviously spoilers comes, not quite saves. No, does well, save he, the day. well. Yeah, he, he was a moment after that. Kind he, uh, he the clue character was out of uh, danger. Danger, but when we saw those police lights, your heart just sinks to your feet. Like, oh the, no! <laughs> yeah, I, oh, the first time yeah. it's like no, Little no, Red no, Howry no. Is the this is going to be name. this is going to be done so wrong. It's poor man has been through enough. But What's yeah. your number ten, Mister Dubray? Yeah, so my number 10, uh, Yon Song Ho. This is a Korean film called Train to Busan that I would imagine would be uh, uh, mentioned, on, I'm sure, on all three of our lists. I haven't seen it for a while. I didn't get to rewatch it. But it it moves unlike any zombie movie I have ever seen. And the train location is perfect, and the obstacles put in front. I, I feel like a broken record with this. With the more obstacles you put in front of the characters that we care about, the better for any zombie movie or any slasher movie. And uh, this, once again, just Korea has done very well. They've been doing it well for decades, but it seems like this was the decade where people started to stand up and go, we should really be paying attention to this country, whether it's whether it's a drama or a horror movie or otherwise. Um, and uh, Even tra- when they're problematic. You and I yeah. reviewed uh, I Saw the Devil. Yeah. yeah. I had issues with the movie, but it was an amazingly it, 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 movie. Ambitious, yeah. Yeah. big, tough, brutal. It was, it was a tough movie to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am not going to fight with you. We are going to be talking about Train oh. to Busan. Yeah, I yes. expected it. Oh, yes, we will. Yeah. <laughs> Once again... I don't think this is on either of your guys' list, yep. and the argument might be made that I've put it too high on the list. 
but it's one of two movies on the top ten that is here because it shouldn't work for me. Okay. And it does. It's okay. called A Dark Song. Ah, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I figured it'd be on your list. I just fell in love with it. Uh, can, my eyes are so bad. I'm trying to read the name of the director on this case. Well, uh, Liam we'll Gavin, up. I want to say, if my old, I need my, I need my spectacles. Uh, I can relate. It's shouldn't work for me because it's two people, both of them who are intensely problematic mm-hmm. to the level of unlikable, mm-hmm. locked in a Welsh mansion and screaming at each other. And the bulk of the actual horror, but when it comes, it is horror, yeah. is the last half an hour of the movie. There's yeah. plenty of tension, there's plenty of stakes, there's mm-hmm. plenty of interactions, but the horror of the movie is in the last half an hour. Yeah. And it has very strong religious themes mm-hmm. that typically do not work on me, that do okay. not work my nerves. But this movie... <laughs> fucking got under my skin yep. and I went from like hating both of the characters to not liking them but understanding them mm-hmm. and through understanding them becoming scared for them like it wasn't one of those things like with a, a million other slasher movies where we don't they're set up not to care about these characters because they're just here to get killed by Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. this woman has a goal she has lost her son under absolutely the worst possible circumstances and uh, she can't reconcile it Mm -hmm. and sees no other way but some kind of supernatural avenue and the man that she contacts to help her do this is this defiantly willfully difficult individual who has no time or no patience for anyone in the world who is just a proud son of a bitch Mm-hmm. who happens to be legitimately talented when mm-hmm. it comes mm-hmm. to these dark arts. And an uneasy truce is made between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And again, you spend a lot of time not liking the characters, but somehow getting to know them enough to be scared for them. Mm-hmm. And that third act and that ending stays with me. Mm-hmm. Again, I, if we were doing the full review, I'd be more detailed about mm-hmm. it. I'm sort of deliberately trying to yeah. keep it somewhat close to the chest. But the revelations that they happened are both not what I expected Mm. and in a typical horror movie not what I would have wanted or typically been impressed by. And here it sits at number 10. So a dark song. I I thought it might be on your list. This is one, again, based completely on your review on the show. Right. Uh, There was some sort of a sale. It was a digital, not a physical copy. I, I bought it sight unseen and it sat there, and I hadn't watched it, and I was like, I have to watch this for um, for this podcast. And I guess I had a little bit of expectation. I shouldn't have expectations, especially <laughs> when it's this much of an independent film. Um, I liked it a lot. I agree. I, I, I had trouble liking the characters, and there's scenes in there where it's just it becomes even harder as you go along, but you do understand them, and I... I, I like that you're in your top ten champion, a, a you know a, a film that not a lot of people have seen. Usually, it didn't make I, my list, but I, yeah. I, I if I, I don't it. like the characters throughout the movie, that usually takes me out of it. Yeah. And if there is an implicitly religiously themed ending, mostly I tend not to like mm-hmm. it. This movie has both of those things, and I really like it. And, and I like religious horror, and right. it, it works on me. I think better than it works on you right usually so i i thought this might be one that i would 
for sure be having on my top 30. It, it wasn't quite there. I don't know where it would land in the top 50-ish, but it's, yeah, it's worth mentioning. I'm glad that you are giving it some time. Here. Did you see a Dark Song Lee? I have not. I want to. It's, once again, it's, I'm sure it's going to be one of those movies that I'll be like, it has no reason being not on my list. <laughs> it's very indie and very small scale, and it's largely just those two actors. Yep. And it's one of those and things that it will connect it. for you or it won't. But yeah. if it does, you will be thanking me. I think. And another brutal number from the UK. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, that's no, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Mm-hmm. Nothing good, but good things. I just I had a chance. Well, we're in ninth position. Can I interrupt you? Or? No, no, sorry, no, I'm just preparing He's looking myself. up the notes for his <laughs> no, no, movie. Okay. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's not on Snapchat. This is I thought you I, were texting your mistress no. or something. I'm just getting ready to talk about Motherfucker Don't Breathe. <laughs> don't Breathe. And, and how I am shocked, shocked and appalled that, that this film didn't even make your list, but whatever. I love that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. You and I saw it in the theater together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised too, actually. I, I, because I thought for sure it'd be on your list. Yeah. But um, well, we are going to talk about Fede Alvarez. There's yep. a woman at the back of that theater who screamed out loud two or three times during the movie. Yeah. And you could just tell it was working the nerves of the whole audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But please, uh, no, no, uh, I can't decide whether that beautifully open like opening sequence, you know, the shot, uh, you know, that oh, long so shot good. of you know uh, him dragging mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. down the main street is a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, we essentially know just from the trailers that I'd watched obsessively, maybe a little bit more than I should have, that of course that this man is a very bad, bad man and that the worm is going to turn. That's the rare case where having seen the trailer might have been helpful as yeah. far as you not liking these guys because mm-hmm. the trailer did give away that the dude was bad news. Yeah. But yeah. the movie chooses not to. It's mm-hmm. careful, more careful about its revelation. Yeah, yeah. But I am amazed that you do eventually feel so sorry for the people breaking into that house. You start off feeling sorry for him, and there's a complete reversal. Oh, yeah. No, no. I I think it's when the hallway shootout, (laughs) when, you know, the first of them them dies. um, Money. Yep. Yeah. That you just know. Maybe soon after that, you just realize that they have made a very... Very serious mistake. Um, shout out to the sound engineer. That's what I was trying to look up actually uh, on my phone, but I have failed. But the u- Alvarez and his sound team. The use of sound is the selling point of the movie, because in a lot of ways, it's just another home invasion thriller, um, almost um, kind of Zadowichi esque in a little bit of ways. Um, but Stephen Lang is every bit of amazing in that movie mm-hmm. he's it's, terrifying yeah mm-hmm. he's terrifying yeah um it's a great horror villain i think it's one of the best villains of the past decade um he, once again i was not prepared <laughs> for some of the things that happened in the movie but the sound oh, yeah. itself was what to i me. also think that it has a really great sequence of pitch darkness. Yeah. Like for the characters it's pitch darkness. Yeah. But for us it's not, but it's really compellingly believably. Yeah. Like the way they're sort of panning around. It reminds me of that Jodie Foster sequence yeah. at the end of Silence, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Yeah. But this is even more convincing than that, I think. Yeah. And like they they were wearing contact lenses so that their pupils would look dilated yeah. in the dark and just the way they're flailing about, they're so helpless. And the basement seems 
vast all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the light goes out, it yeah. seems like this. It becomes a warehouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great pick, man. Yeah. Uh, um, Fetty Alvarez. We'll we'll be talking about him yet well, again. Okay. I just once again they were so good. I just couldn't. I wanted their own separate little. Yeah. The, the, the revelations in the basement. Yeah. yeah. That's when the movie had me. I was like, okay, yeah, now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah. You. He's a sick Number nine, huh? Yes, please. Yes. All right, this is one of the ones where you might be accusing this of me of having a non-horror movie, but it does indeed have zombies. It also was uh, directed by Henry Hobson and features, in my opinion, the best screen performance by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is Maggie. Really? When I watched it again to review on my show for this kind of post-Governor Schwarzenegger episode, I was like, wow, wow, like this movie gets me emotionally, it's horrific, there's the action scenes, but both Schwarzenegger and Abigail Breslin, and who thought to put those two together, they are at their A-plus game in this movie, in an impossible situation again for this father during the zombie apocalypse, his, his daughter is going to turn at some point, and he will not put her away in an institution, takes her home, and knows at some point he is going to have to end her. I, the whole dramatic weight I, of the movie is him waiting for the inevitable yeah. point where he will have to blow his daughter's head off with yes. a shotgun. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a couple, even still a couple things that I'm picky about where this might have been even higher on my list. Because I, I, I now almost think that this is one of my favorite films, but I want to give it a little bit more time to see if I'm still in kind of the second it's viewing very subjective. Unsung. I like <sighs> that it's included on your list, if for no other reason that movie, because I feel like people should have made a bigger deal about the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger starred in a zombie movie. Yeah. The problem was it wasn't an action-packed no. blood and thunder wall-to-wall. -wall. It was actually an incredibly melancholy oh. grief study. It is. And it's just not what most people want when they go to the movies, mm -hmm. especially when you hear Arnold and zombies. It's, it's just yeah. like blood it's lust. so underserved yeah. expectation that people dismissed it or didn't watch it at all. Mm -hmm. I'm happy it's on your list. Like many other high quality zombie movies, I like to find a space for it here. Yeah. Uh, I think the sadness and the lack of fun kind of brought it down. Yeah. There, but it would crack much the fun. top 100 for the decade for me easily. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, it is another one that I would like to shout out to people. It's mood specific. Yeah, and and I think there'll be a couple movies in here in my top ten, where is weighing out. Okay, is this does this belong on a horror list or does this belong on like a a great movies of the decade list? And I went for like I I like this movie more than the other movies that I have behind it, but I, I get it's not an action-packed horror movie, but it's, strangely enough, it's a relatable thing. The people that you care about in this situation, your heart breaks for the guy. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's really good performance from Arnold. He's sort of thought of as sort of a lunkhead, but he's been working in movies since, like, 1972? You? Yeah. Uh, like, and uh, he's worked with a lot of great directors, and he can't play any good part, but if you cast him well, and I think he's well cast here, he will do the job for you. Also, he liked the script enough that he basically did this movie for free. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm something. pretty sure 
having Arnold sign on the dotted line is what got this movie yep. made. Because I can't see any producer reading the screenplay and saying, oh, this is money. Yeah. <laughs> And Abigail Breslin, I think, gets forgotten about a little bit. Like she's a child actor, that got an early in Academy particular. Award nomination. Mm-hmm. She's she's great in it, and I mean, she showed up in Zombieland and other things along the way. I just think she's, if she keeps acting, she's one to watch. Yeah. I don't think she's gotten anything that's quite, you know, the attention that she deserves. So, full confession, have not seen it. Oh, hmm. it's worth a watch. It's yeah. not a feel good number. That's what I hear. <laughs> so here's one that I my my last sci fi pick. And I feel like this is one that might get me booed out of the room. (laughs) But I have to just say, for repeat watchability, level of personal enjoyment, and for how many times I will watch the movie again, Attack the Block is number nine. God damn. (laughs) Uh, This is the thing that got, uh, what's his name, the gig for Star Wars. Yeah, Um, the Boyega. Boyega? Boyega. Um... And it's juggling a lot of characters, a lot of them who are very young, and a lot of them who are criminals, you know, on their face, not that likable. <laughs> There's sort of this, there was a lot of these English hoodie movies with those, those troublesome teenagers and their mm-hmm. hoodies mm-hmm. <laughs> causing problems for people. And this one, the hoodie kids, are our protagonists, because mm-hmm. uh, they're very protective of their apartment block, and some monsters from outer space crash land. And they find one and instantly kill it <laughs> because yeah. that's who they are. Yeah. And this causes problems because it turns out this was a particularly unique alien. Over and above being an alien, it was the female that got set ahead. Mm-hmm. And all of the males are in hot pursuit. And they've got the female pheromones all over them. So they're being hunted down by the best creature design of the decade. Mm. The creatures in this movie are amazing. Mm-hmm. They're on all fours. They're practical suits, mm-hmm. but they use CGI to darken their fur. Mm-hmm. So they seem somehow blacker than the night sky or the darkness around them. Mm-hmm. And everything about them is this incredible black, except for their bright, glowing teeth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> These huge, no. frightening Pac-Man creatures. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned it. It's hilarious yep. as well. Yep. It's fucking hilarious. As well. It's yep. action-packed, yep. hard R, yep. nobody is safe, yep. you're laughing, you're screaming, yep. you're riding your chair, yep. and like, it seems, it's, am I really putting Attack the Block this high? And then I watched it again, and I'm like, fuck yeah, yep. <laughs> fuck yep. yeah, I'm putting it that high. Yep. Like, and again, it's been a really crowded decade for mm-hmm. really good like sci-fi horror movies. Just that life movie with Jake Gyllenhaal yep. Yep. that yep. was super yep. solid. Yep. I mentioned that Scarlett Johansson one, yeah, like, Under the Skin. I could have put more on there, but again, I'm talking about entertainment value. I'm yep. talking about rewatch value. Yep. I'm all there for Attack the Block. I've uh, heard same writer, the same director, threatening a sequel. same cast coming back. All of the kids will have grown up, except for Mayhem and, uh, what's his name, the two little guys, yep. will probably be teenagers now, but yep. a lot of times they'll say, oh, leave it alone, don't fuck with it, but if they can make it half as good as the original, holy shit, you guys, <laughs> I'm showing up for it, so. I have no reason for it to not <laughs> be on the list, <laughs> but once, and you are not wrong, it just, I, I, thought about it about you know eight months ago and then i completely forgot about it and 
I'm ashamed that it's not on the list. Have you seen Attack the Block? I have not. Yeah, it's so I'm not good. even sure I've heard of it. Oh, believe wow. it or not. Oh, wow. It's British. Uh, so it was it made a bigger noise on that side of the ocean, but no, it please. Yes, I'm if gonna we do have myself time a favor. Tonight, I would be tempted to show it to yeah, you yeah, this yeah, very night. We'll see what, what, what time <laughs> it is when we're done here, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's outstanding. Um Joe Cornish. Joe Cornish, yes. And he did this uh movie that bombed hard a kid in King Arthur's court yeah, oh the, yeah I remember the King King King. I haven't actually seen it or it was the kid it would be King sorry it was King. Anyway, whatever it was it was a kid's feature about that and uh, nobody watched it including me but I should have because I really like him as a director at least in this movie you. what was your number eight brother well if you want to look up par- the definition of paranoia and it's how it's displayed on film this movie would would be it. It Comes at Night, I think, is a shining example of how humans really are the worst enemy. <laughs> um, it was poorly, poorly advertised, and I would it even was falsely, falsely advertised. advertised, famously, yeah. yeah. And I think that turned a lot of people off of the movie, and I yeah. get it. Yeah, but they this, advertised a quiet place, and that's it's, not what it was. No, not at all. Um, but it's a shame if, you know, being angry at that movie just because it was, you know, advertised as one thing and it's really not the other does not take away how great this movie is. Joel Edgerton is awesome. Everyone in the movie is awesome. It is, like, I felt unclean by the end of that movie. Um, it just unnerved me in a way that I, ha- like, hadn't seen before. All the movies above here that are, that I'll be talking about, um, you know, past this, all unnerved me. <laughs> And It Comes at Night is just... Uh, I liked it a lot. I was, like everyone else, mad about the false advertising. It was advertised as a creature feature. Yeah. It's a psychological deterioration. Paranoia, I think, as you quite accurately said at the beginning. Yeah. Um, it's also wall-to-wall unpleasant. It's another one of these horror movies yep. where you just don't feel good about it. Yep. And I think that is the thing more than anything else. That take it out like a bad trailer. A lot of great movies have bad trailers, yep. but um, yeah, it's again a solid pick. It just didn't make the cut for me. I was doing so well, and now suddenly in the top ten, these movies I haven't seen. No, yeah, I will no. see. But There's a hot and cold reaction to it, but if you haven't seen the trailer, then you're in a good place. Yeah, yep. just watch the movie. The title sounds so familiar to me, but I don't yeah. I don't remember any marketing about it or well, anything. Well, once again, it was, yeah, it was poorly marketed. It comes at night. It's like a post-apocalyptic, plaguey movie. Yeah, it's a virus movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's mm-hmm. the danger of others, and it's the, you, the world becomes so broken, what's left of yeah. the people who mm-hmm. are out there. But they think are the divide, it. think the road, but with a little bit more of a specific centering on the psychological deterioration. Okay. Yep. Sounds like a good time. Yay! Yay! Happiness, happiness. What's your number eight? There? Number eight, speaking of happiness, <clears throat> it's been mentioned Ty West, The Sacrament. Mm. It Major got under my skin, <laughs> and I, it, there was no way it was not going to be on my top. T- I think I said in the review, this is going to be on the my, my list of the 20 teens for sure. Uh, the kind of forced faux documentary forced perspective makes sense using that vice um reporters coming in to kind of look at this Jim jones cult gene jones i would argue is one of the scariest characters in the decade for horror 
And again, not another knock at it, but way scarier than Sarsgaard's Pennywise. And is like seems like because he seems like kind of a genuine guy, you can understand why people fell into this cult. And again, the guy who is scared to death of Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men, I didn't recognize that guy at yeah. all when watching this. He's got no status in all, No Country for Old Men, and he and owns all the status place. in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's, I mean, it. He shows up in The Hateful Eight as well. He's yeah. such a good actor. I, yeah. I, he's probably going to be one of those guys that I'm going to start seeing when I revisit movies. Yeah. He's been around so, forever. And he's I just been in all this stuff and yeah. just haven't paid enough attention to him. And this really got me paying attention to him and, and Ty West as well. It wasn't the first Ty West movie I saw, but I was just this feels like a completely different movie than Innkeepers. Then, um, but it's still got that weird precision and patience. There's yeah. something about its, its high s- west slow movie. Burn. You can feel the vibe of it. But I'm gonna talk about like kids being killed and there's no prisoners in this movie. It was the most uncomfortable in an uncomfortable list of cult films that we were talking about. This one just really. And again, no one seems to talk blew about me it. Away. it. It just no one mentions the sacrament. No. I'm glad that you're including it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's devastating. It is. It's a devastating movie. And, yeah, not fun. Yeah. <laughs> not not fun, but it effective. Oh, and still stay with me. I have, once again, no excuse. Well, speaking of not fun, I have my, my last tie, and it is related to a director, and it's probably easy to predict. We have Hereditary and Midsummer. Yeah. From Ari Aster. Yeah. As far as a one-two punch debut <laughs> to the horror genre, wow. can we just say holy shit? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, wow. I am not a supporter of Bo's afraid, <laughs> but uh, uh, I still heard. <laughs> he still has a lot of uh, rope with me. Like, I will watch another one of his movies. Like, uh, I would I would say maybe he's better at at horror than yep. he is at comedy or satire. Yep. Um, but wow. Yep. The like the only reason they're not higher on the top ten is again the times I'm going to be revisiting Hereditary and Midsummer <laughs> compared to Attack the Block or yeah. The Shallows or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. They are undeniably incredibly unnerving and yes. effective movies. And yes, they are accused of being grief porn yep. and uh, exploiting people who are suffering losses, but. I don't know. It's sort of like anytime someone becomes too hot, there seems to be this fringe yeah, group rip, rip them down, yeah. that needs to knock them, them down. down. Size, yeah. Yeah. This thing of horror stories starting on the precipice of tragedy has been with horror as long as I'm aware of horror yeah. existing. Yeah, always. Yeah. Like, it's just they don't usually make the meal out of it that Ari Oster does. Both yeah. films in the first act, your main character loses members of their family in ways that are traumatic and troubling and that sort of set the table for the horrific events that are going to unfold Mm -hmm. through the rest of the movie. Uh, And again, I know you weren't big on the ending of uh, Hereditary. I thought it had some real teeth to it. But then the counterbalance of Midsummer, Hereditary is pitch black, both literally and figuratively. And Midsummer is bright. Out in the open. Out in the open, Mm -hmm. and it ends with a woman wrapped in flowers with a beaming smile on her face. Yeah. And it is 
horrifying. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, again, I couldn't pick between the two of them, and if I used both of them as a slot, in, they would take up 20% of the top 10. Yeah. So I've had a director tie in each section. Here he is, Ari Aster. I mean, this has been a well-celebrated thing. This is one of the ones that was obviously going to be mm-hmm. on the list, mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, yeah. particularly hereditary. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel the need to defend this one. No, you don't. No. no. Um, we will be talking about Ari Aster again yeah. at Kale Surprise. I will say this, and once again, Midsummer has no reason to not be on my list. The, the only thing was... I knew it's it's the Wicker Man, or at least those of that folk horror ilk. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. It has no reason to not be on the list. Like, please right. understand. Um, well, I think we've all agreed it's been a tough. Yeah, lot, yes. a lot of tough. Like, cuts. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess the only criteria is I sort of I sort of saw the ending coming, but right. whatever. Once again, can I, I can't deny its brilliance. Mm-hmm. It's troubling. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Fede Alvarez before, mm-hmm. so let's talk about him again. And you know what's funny? And I and I think it was the poster that pissed me off because it was daring me to, you know, like, it's not the scariest movie ever made, that I walked out with a little bit of an attitude, even though I really enjoyed it. What did they say? The most grueling experience in horror you will ever experience? Yeah, yeah. Like, or just... Something like that? Uh, I hyperbole. Whatever. Whatever. And then I saw it again with you, and I realized, no, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> Evil Dead. What can I say about just Fetty Alvarez's Evil Dead? It's gloves off, baby. <laughs> yeah, the lead actor who's also like the lead in, in Don't Breathe, and, I, and from what I hear, they you know their working relationship has soured. Jane Levy, I think Levy, that's the yeah. Levy, Levy, yeah. Anyways, um, I should get on that. Um, even just the cold opening of that movie, it's just it just disturbs you and unwinds you in ways I it couldn't imagine. They handle the tree situation interestingly. <laughs> um, it's not you know, like the original Evil Dead. The last 15 minutes of that movie. Jeebus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Just well, when they finally, like she's chainsawing the demon for the last time. <laughs> it's very wet. They turn the taps on. Not, s- yeah. not yeah. since World Lots Police has there been an excess of fluid. <laughs> well, when Sam Raimi set out to make Evil Dead at the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s, his goal was to make just that. The, yeah. the most grueling experience in horror that anyone's ever had. Yeah. And that's how they advertised the original film. And my thing with Fede Alvarez's version is I feel like they set out, instead of quote, remaking Evil Dead. They set up to make the film that Sam Raimi wanted to make, but was not able to make, because he didn't have the means. Yeah. And uh, they didn't try to recreate Ash, because yeah. it would be an act of foolhardiness. How do you recast Ash? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you rewrite Ash? It, it's such a specific thing, to such a specific actor, that one of the smartest moves that they made was to not even try. Yeah. But I have to say, I am a huge defender of the original Evil Dead. Yep. This is a better script. Yep. This is a better production. Yep. This is a better cast. Yep. This is a better movie. Yep. I really strongly feel that way. Yep. I love Evil Dead. Yep. But I really strongly feel that way. This is the rare remake 
that is not just as good or not a fitting tribute. Yep. It's better than the original. Yep. And the difference is <clears throat> Remy's is the Evil Dead. And this right? is, and evil, this is dead. evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I rewatched it again because my reaction the first time I saw it was I despised this movie. Right. Really? Every fiber of my being. Um, I have softened big time on it um, to the point where I would give it maybe a three star review which is a big leap from where I was the first time I saw it. It's not on my list. It wasn't... Never yeah, even I, in contention yet. I just, I just can't not get there. I, I cannot separate myself from the love of the original trilogy to these new ones. These new ones are... Uh, they're, they're fine for what they're doing. It sounds probably really ridiculous uh, These how over-top th these movies are that I'm saying they're fine, but... For me, the the they're fine. Their their target audience is gonna love it. I know people really love this Evil Dead Rises movie as well, and I I just cannot get on board this this new wave of Evil Dead films. Right. I, I just am I am missing. I would say that Evil Dead. I'm missing Rise. Ash. I'm missing Sam Raimi. Right. I know they're producers of these, but I I really am missing that. I would say Evil Dead Rise is my least favorite Evil Dead movie, but I would also say that there are no bad Evil Dead movies. And for a franchise this deep in, five in, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Yeah, the closest. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about it. A little if bit. it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah, this is not. definitely one of those things. Like if it, <laughs> if you're not into this, it's not going to work for you. I also like that they uh, gave them better reason for them to be at the cabin. Yeah, I like all the changes. She's trying to get off of drugs. And when she starts complaining that there's demon possessing her and that the yeah. trees nobody were believes raining, her, yeah. of course nobody believes yeah. her, and yeah. it's justified. That's the stuff that worked yeah. well for me this time, and the level of violence. But again, this yes. I, I mentioned my issues with the, like the torture porn. Yeah, this felt like it was married to torture porn a little bit too much. And I, See, I still felt the fun I, I in didn't, spite I, of it. I did, I, I did not have. Yeah. I haven't had fun with the last two. Yeah, that's what I'm missing. And that is would the be fun. the difference. Yeah, yeah. That, Fair enough. I brother. mean, they, they are capital H horror movies, and I will give it that. And maybe again, I th this bad habit of penalizing these movies for the movie I want it to be. Right. I need to look in the mirror myself about that a little bit and maybe revisit it, but. If it's not for I'm you, not it's there not yet. For you. If it's not yep. for me, I'm not putting it on the list yeah. either. But like, yeah, we're gonna talk about Evil Dead again. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I expected it fully, <laughs> and that's why I rewatched it because I thought, well, maybe I was too ju judgmental the first time. I think I was. Yeah, the cheek scene alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that brings us to you, brother. Number seven, right? Yes, please. Yeah, this is where I put Get Out, um, directed by Jordan Peele, a very important movie, one of the most important movies of the decade. I, um, I think I remember I. My initial reaction was kind of like uh, above average. I wasn't there with it being like the great movie of that year. It came out early. It was a February release. Um, didn't know what they had. Yeah. And yeah, they really didn't know what they had. And I'm, I, I had to do some thinking. And when I went back to it, and it's like, wow, is is this? It gets better and better each time. And that's kind of the Jordan Peele thing. I think. Um, nope, didn't you got kind of a lukewarm it's reception. The second time. And I think when as people start to watch that one more, yeah, um, yeah. it is and, better the second time. Yeah. I found that to be true. Yeah, uh, but uh, like the acting, the importance of it, the allegorical qualities. But if you if you're not reading any of that, it is an entertaining and horrifying film. Like when you 
the, the thought of somebody going and taking over your body in that, that way is, is, I don't care what race you are. That is a horrible, horrible thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where I struggle a little bit is actually related to the friend where it might not it might have made my top five you know it was going to be in my top 10 no matter what i think is the friend is this comic relief kind of goofy character Mm -hmm. he happens to show up at exactly the right moment (laughs) um and we kind of get a little bit of this false lead that it might be the police coming in which worked for me the first time fun fact original ending Mm -hmm. that didn't happen the police original ending he's in jail and his buddy visits him in jail and that's the end of the movie mm-hmm. i i like that ending yeah it may not be as much to of a me, crowd I think pleaser it would have been too far you think it would have been over i the really line? do think he'd gone through so much at that point like when we saw those f- police lights go up our hearts sunk to our feet yes. like we already knew what was going to happen and then there was this joyful subversion when it was his buddy wow. you're like oh, yes and you kind of needed it i don't think it would be as it would still be an amazing movie but i don't think it would have the same amount of i love. think it would have I mean, sunk the movie it would have been like the mist maybe no maybe. it, it would have been like the mist so depressing which you both chose as your top movie That's of the, right, yeah. the yachts so yeah. i mean you know but it, yeah, yeah. I, I mean it, it's a debate. I don't think it was a compromise, and like uh, I don't think they forced him to make the change. I think it was a change that he, he chose to. But uh, it, it is interesting yeah. that that was the case. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it would have made me feel too bad, if it would have triggered my white guilt too bad, or something like that. Was, yeah. I really wanted him to get or, out of there, or it might really have been like these an- the anti Barbie crowd might have come out against exactly. that movie and created a big political thing. Instead, they enjoyed a, a, a solid horror movie very well written well directed as we talked about and yeah yeah he knows what he's doing and i just did not see this coming from a guy who was on a a comedian on a sketch show yeah again i thought it was probably going to be in your guys's top five i thought i was being pretty subversive putting it at 11 mm-hmm. i mean i my, my love is strong for get out it was a real it was just i really liked the movie it didn't keep me up at night i wasn't scared from it yeah a lot of the i other agree ones. it's the stepford wives to me yeah yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison, actually, yeah. Uh, good enough. Okay, um, so my seventh place, I was talking about there was two on the list that I have here because they shouldn't have worked on me as well as they did. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have seen the, it's originally, it was a stage piece. It's called Ghost Stories. Uh, yes. Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman wrote and directed it. Andy Nyman plays the main character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, our friend Martin Freeman, who likes to show up in awesome movies, shows up here as well. And it's kind of an anthology movie. And it's one of these movies where if you're a horror-savvy guy, you're like, I see where you're going. I know exactly where you're going, movie. Don't try to play me, movie. (laughs) And it still plays you. It still has an expected sort of twist, which I'm not going to get into specifically. But... It's an aggravating... Most movies that pull this twist, mm-hmm. it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like unsolvable mysteries. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind a trick, but I like to be able to go back and <coughs> see what I missed. And I don't think going back would help you solve the riddle of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the individual pieces, the premise is, as we understand it, this guy is a professional skeptic. Mm-hmm. And he his sort of role model who disappeared contacts him out of the blue and basically tells him the reason he retired and quit 
where these three cases, these three ghost cases, if you can go and solve these for me, let me know and uh, we'll both feel better about things. But my life has been a farce and your life is a farce, is basically what he's saying. Yeah. I sort of started my life being a kid that believed in everything. And the older I get, the more I become this sort of skeptical curmudgeon. So here we're set up for this morality tale that's going to teach this smug non-believer what, what's good for him. Yep. And that does and doesn't happen, but the isolated ghost stories work enough, and I was enthralled in trying to figure it out enough, and the ending came, and I did the sort of facepalm thing, and it just wouldn't leave my brain. Mm -hmm. It's an intensely cinematic movie, which makes it interesting to me because it's based off of a stage piece. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that makes the movies feel like a long monologue or like a things that you can get away with on stage you can't get away with on screen and it doesn't feel like a play it feels like a very clever movie made for savvy horror audiences mm -hmm. it all hangs on how you feel about the twist mm -hmm. but i think they pulled it off in a way that few movies could so ghost stories made the top 10 no reason at all for not to be on my list it's not there but no reason it's amazing it's on my to-watch list now. You haven't seen it? Because I yeah. haven't. No, I'm doing worse with the top ten here than I did at any it's other good. point. Uh, it sounds great. No, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's certified fresh according to Rotten Tomatoes, so therefore it well, couldn't then, possibly be anything but amazing. No, because good. Rotten Tomatoes is the greatest. <laughs> so that was my seventh. We're in sixth position, brother. So, you know this guy, Alex Garland. I'm aware of his work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He made this movie called Annihilation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that I will fully agree I saw it with the right people. So story was is that you know one of Jolene's colleagues from her past work um, wanted a night out and had actually said she hated horror movies. So I managed to convince them to say, oh, it's a science fiction movie. It's a science fiction movie. And right about the part, I think, where like they're seeing that video playback of you know, the inside of <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. you know, some body. intestines coiling like they're yep. a snake or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. she turned to him and went, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> and Jolene was in the middle yes. of us, so of course she got hit repeatedly. <laughs> um, so Annihilation is awesome. Um, I was gripping myself when they started walking into was mm. it called the glowing i think what it was called yes shimmer. The, the shimmer, shimmer yeah. yes then the bear shows up <laughs> the bear sequence is what could arguably make the film qualify as a balls out horror movie yeah this the idea is that uh, a comet landed and this yeah. area is slowly expanding yeah. irrevocably eventually it will consume the world mm -hmm. and every team that's been sent in there to investigate what's going on has not returned yeah until this one gentleman does and so they try another team interestingly all women to mm -hmm. go into the shimmer and explore it. I don't know if they expected that would somehow be give it a different reaction. It had been all men before. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we're set up for doom and gloom, and what are we going to see when we get there? And it's like, what's going to be in the mystery box? As I said, I it feels like a loose remake of The Color Out of Space to me. Mm. Um, but I already had so much sci-fi on my list. Yep. And Ex Machina was going to be represented. I just couldn't find room. Once I do like it a lot. Yeah. The score is also really, 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 really good. Yeah, shout out to the score. It's a beautiful looking movie. The crocodile, I should have seen that jump coming. <laughs> um, you know, the discovery of that, you know, person who's part plant into the wall. 
Um, Annihilation is really good. Amazing cast. Really like Jennifer Jason Lee. I always she's like always Jennifer great. Lee. Always yeah. terrific. Yeah. Yep. Natalie Portman's really good. Good time at the theaters. Who? Again, I'm not fighting you on it at yeah, all. I'm trying to remember Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm just trying to remember the name. Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. he's really good. Um, Annihilation, and I love that ending. Love the ending, mm-hmm. even though I hear it's different from the book. I have not read the book, but I've read kind of the movie. How do you feel about it? Annihilation. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think it's a terrific film. Yeah, keep listening. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're not right. done yet. Well, yeah. well, but my my number six. And I almost wish it was in the top five, but it was just it was too tough. I mean, to and when I broke up the ties and decided no ties, this, this kind of changed it a little bit. This is where Midsummer is. Ari Aster, I I much prefer it to uh, to Hereditary. Um, it's I mean it's a long, it's an epic length film, but it is constantly in, interesting from the amount of grief that this poor woman is going through to this her her boyfriend and the friends clearly do not want her to go on this trip uh except for that very accommodating uh uh european uh young man and florence Pugh. wow she's 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 the real deal she's one of the actors of her generation even in something that's kind of panned if she's in it I'm interested. She's in Oppenheimer, and she's yeah. very good in Oppenheimer. Um, and I was just it, oddly enough, it was Gehrig's Little Women that I first started to pay attention to her yeah. ahead of Midsummer. Um, but this is one of the great performances in a horror movie of of, of the decade, and probably in in, in any movie as I think well. I was nicer and, to Black Widow than and, I should have been because of her. Yeah, she was. Yes, I mean, she adds yeah. so much to Black Widow. I, and I kind of like Black Widow more than most people. And yeah, you're you're right. There is something about her being in there that makes it the whole thing better. Um, and there's, I mean, the the sequence where she drinks the tea and goes on that trip, and then yep, when, really cool it takes visuals. a lot. It takes a long time before we see the outright horror. But when we see the horror, it's like they just did that. Yep. That, that this was uh, wow, like. Everybody is in so much danger now in the brightest. You're absolutely right. Hereditary was so dark for most of the scenes and we're in broad daylight and you are just at the edge of your seat gripping your, and I, I, I have only seen this once. I wanted to watch it again beforehand and it may have jumped a couple of the other movies in my top five. But this is one I will revisit time and time again. I I love Midsummer. It it was I had I had expectations for it, and it it met those expectations and exceeded them, which rarely happens yeah. to me. We've been talking about expectations a lot today, and how it can damage or or elevate a movie. This one delivered the goods. Like this is a talented filmmaker. I, I will see Bo is afraid even though I hear nothing but bad things about it, but I will still see it because I want to support this guy. He's earned that. Yeah. I think he has He's earned, earned his blank check movie, yeah. yes. And I, I'm hoping he's got that out of his system. Yes, and we're going to move into another movie. horror movie next. There's just. a scene about halfway through Midsummer. I think it's where the worm really turns, where they witness a couple of suicides. Yes, that's yeah. a scene. Oh. And uh, elderly people going to the top of these rocks, you kind of know what's coming, but they drop <sighs> off the rocks in any other movie. 
would have cut away he before keeps they it hit on. bottom. And this movie is not about cutting away. No, it like, is not. Jesus. And the fact that they stay after that scene is just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this is not going anywhere but, good. But how are know? they going to get away? Like, yeah. they're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I think even before then, you knew they're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, well, I knew because I was watching a horror movie that they were walking into from the beginning. And somebody who seemed super nice in the... Uh, you know, first half an hour of a movie, yeah. yeah, watch out for that. But I don't care if I could predict some things along the way. As you said, you were able to kind of predict what would happen towards the end. I, I knew where the story but was going. I just did not care because I was. it was such a solid film. So for I me, love Midsummer. In sixth place, we've already talked about it, The Witch. It's got a very powerful, specific identity. It feels like it could have been made almost any decade. Yeah. But it... It, it required somebody who had a very strong vision mm-hmm. and who did not compromise, didn't yep. move to the left or right no. at all. It respects its audience and says, go with me on this. I am going to disturb you. And if you take the ride, it will disturb you. But I think this is one of the horror movies that requires almost your audience participation. Yep. If you're halfway in your phone mm-hmm. or if you're not actually listening to the dialect, if you're not there for the movie, the movie's not going to be there for you. Yep. And I have so much respect for Eggers for yep. not fucking caring. <laughs> like, yep. well, it's no, like it's I'm going to make this horror movie for people who really like horror movies and those people are going to really like it. And yep. I'm on board. Yep. Oh, I love him as a filmmaker. Um, I have to give that film another day in court. Like I said, I, I just started at the wrong time. Yeah, I, yeah. My first time, I would say, was probably the wrong time. When I watched it again, I was like, "Wow, now I get it. Now I get why everybody." Well, not everybody loves it. It is a little bit polarizing, but still, the people who get it love this movie, and it, it jumped way up my list when I rewatched it. There's a child performance, the middle son, yes, who gets sick and cries out to Jesus as he is dying in mm-hmm. front of his family. Yeah. What a hell of an acting performance. Like, how did they get that out of that kid, even if he was the most gifted 12-year-old actor <laughs> that they could find? The fact that he had the psychological, like, will and wit within his brain to understand the character, yes. let alone deliver a performance of that power. <laughs> yes. And... Yeah, you talk about kids being on the menu. We slowly watch this kid lose his mind and die in front mm-hmm. of his family. Mm-hmm. In the same unflinching way we were talking about in Midsummer. We're not going to cut away from it. We're going to show you every second mm-hmm. of this kid's agony. Mm-hmm. And this is just another day on the farm. Yep. The movie opens with their infant being stolen by yes. a witch, mushed into a cream, and rubbed all over her skin. Mm-hmm. Like, whew. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it definitely earns it, but it's not in the top five, as I keep on going back to, for the level of unpleasantness that it brings to mm-hmm. me. This is not one that I'm going to, like, throw on when I, <laughs> you know, after a hard day's work and for some diverting <laughs> entertainment. 
Yeah. No, this is more likely the one that you show to someone who's not seen it, or when you're in a mood to have a real meal of a horror movie. So it's not yeah. going to be the Christmas Eve movie this year? Maybe not. No, yeah. Maybe not. Now we're in the top five. <laughs> Mr. Beckman, what's your number five, please? So this is the one, Larry, I thought you could call shenanigans on. Um, but I love this movie so much, and I will concede it's more of a romance than it is a horror film. But um, uh, a, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night by uh, Anna Lily Amarpour. Right. Um, once again, so beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Bad City makes me laugh every <laughs> single time I hear it. Um, but it really is a love story, kind of like Spring in a lot of ways. Yes. Where it's about way. two monsters who come together and fall in love. Um, there are so many little scenes in this movie that I love so much. Um, and it's and it a lot. It's talking ab- about a lot of things. It's not just a vampire story. Um, uh, it's really about, like I said, two lost souls in almost in some sort of industrial hell, who find a connection because they've been alone for so long. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the movie starts with this character, like with uh, the the drug dealer character. Mm-hmm. Stealing a cat or a dog or yeah. something. That's not the drug dealer. That's the romantic lead. Yeah. 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 But you know he isn't he a drug. He dealer? becomes a drug. He dealer. Ha- he has to. Uh, oh, that's right. Along. It's his own hell because his father but is his father. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. kills the drug dealer, and then he and takes then over he the takes business. Over yeah. The drug dealer's yeah. business. After yeah. That yeah. Pulls. That's right. Um, it. Um, I do love that scene where she's skateboarding so much oh, it, it says so brilliant. much and I'm glad there's no dialogue yeah. um, I love the scene where they're dancing together mm-hmm. that made me go and yet that scene there's two scenes where it reminds you it's a horror movie where it hunts down I think it is the drug dealer right where it, it, she's mimicking the movements across the street yeah. shadowing them it's so yeah. cool yeah that's terrifying and also the one where she lets the boy go that's where I went. With a warning. With a very stern warning. Yes. Be a good man. Yeah. I love the look and feel of the movie. I am not, like I said, I didn't connect on the romance. And something that both her movies that I have seen so far share is she seems to be willing to forgive her male characters any sin if they're hot. Jason <laughs> Momoa yeah. is in the Bad Batch, and he does terrible things, but he's okay because of how fucking hot he is, right? And same thing with Keanu Reeves, and, like, uh, they're bad guys, but they're so fucking cool, we're supposed to like them for some reason. I really didn't like that guy. I really didn't like the fact that his dad was a junkie and that he would still sell drugs, even though he knows what it did to his father. And Well, you're not meant to like him. He is a monster. he, He reacts more emotionally to the loss of his automobile. Mm-hmm. Than he does to the loss of his father. Yeah. I again, but he's hot, so whatever. I, Let's choose. I mean, uh, no, but I, it's it's my hang up because I am clearly in the minority. Everybody <laughs> loves that movie way more than I do. I still think it would make like the top one hundred of the year, but it doesn't make the top thirty. I never seriously considered it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I do feel like he, he suffered some emotional abuse from his father. It's coming from a place he's had to take care and be kind of like. The caregiver, they've had reversed roles because of this drug addiction. And after a while, that, that really weighs down on him. But I, I get, you mentioned that when we reviewed it. Yeah. You, you Kind of the, the hang-up with the fact that he gets into the same business, which has turned his father into I am more sympathetic to the that. vampire who has spent who knows how yeah, many I, years. Yeah, I feel bad for her, yeah. 
feeding on people because yeah. of who it, like I have more empathy for her than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I, I and I can buy that. Um, he's you know he he's in his own hell at the end of the movie. It's the same almost ending that um, that Norwegian uh, vampire movie. Let the right one in. Let, let the right one in, mm-hmm. where he knows yes. he's in hell because he's in a love. Uh, he's in a love story that yeah. is going to eternally damn him. At some point, I do believe that she is going to bite him when he's no longer of use. Yeah, I, I stopped wondering about it pretty quickly after the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Where I wondered about it, I, I, I stayed with it, but yeah, I, yeah. Ouch, brother! Sorry. It, it doesn't. It really is not a happy ending. You're nope. gonna sit, no, nope. sit, sitting there See, like what? Like I said, I would say it more as a tragic romance, but it's also a horror movie. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be shitty about it. No, I no, get it. Fine. I do get that's it. Fine. Guys, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. You know what? Like just. Two, two of the three of us had it on the list, so that's that's, <laughs> that's right. Um, my number five. Yes, please. There is nothing in life I love more than a an effective Stephen King adaptation, and Doctor Sleep. Almost more obstacles against it than Gerald's Game. Like Flanagan has to follow up. Arguably, one of the two or three most famous horror movies of all time which is quite different than the Stephen King novel, and he has to somehow balance it out to keep the Stephen King purists happy, as well as the Kubrick fans happy. This movie, sadly, was, you know, released at the wrong time, maybe not marketed well enough, but Doctor Sleep is so, so good. And it it was going to be high up on my list, and it has to be in my top five. Uh, Love... There's so many things I love about it. The cast, uh, the way it deals with the uh, the concept of addiction. We watch Ewan McGregor, who sometimes when he's playing an American, it kind of doesn't work as well. It the didn't bother gets, me. The better it Maybe gets, he's getting better at it. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed him. It's not flashy what he's doing in here, but his performance as Danny, and when we see the adult Danny, he's not a nice person initially. But that is, again, the addiction... Addiction goes through generations, so it makes it makes sense that he he got went went down this path, and then when he finds this girl who's even more powerful than he is, and talk about a, a good child you know actor. child performance, Kaylee Curran, I believe is the name, playing it. Um, uh yeah, Azabra. It's terrific. Like keeps up with these amazing actors, and then Rebecca Ferguson. Yep wonderful villain i mean that was a character i don't think i completely got when i was reading the novel but got oh, I think fully they... fully realized i think for for me in this film version um i i, I love dr sleep i think it's still I, I i feel like it's it's known horror movie fans love it but it still feels underrated to me like it really deserved to have the following that the shining yeah. has do you have something to say about Doctor Sleep, brother? Really? Uh, I once again, it, it goes back to the whole thing where any Mike Mike found like a movie could have made the list. Uh, well, yep. I've reserved speaking on your Doctor Sleep because ask me how much I like Doctor Sleep. Nice. That's what we're going to do. It's yeah. the only Mike Flanagan that I managed to put on the list, but I would like to hereby give him an MVP award for the decade: oh. Absentia, Oculus, Before I Wake, the. Ouija prequel. Yep. Hush. Yep. Gerald's game. Yep. And 
Doctor, we've been talking about Doctor, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Yep. And two fucking TV yes. series. Yes, yep. which are supposed to be some of the if best. Say, four now. If I yeah. say that the uh, but in the, within prequel, the decade, yeah. if I say the Ouija prequel was the least of those, yeah. it's a completely solid jump yes. scare movie. Yeah. Like what a ridiculous run. Yep. Like holy shit. But where did he come yep. from before this? I mean, it, it's just like suddenly respect this and try to reconcile the Kubrick Shining. Which is a terrifying movie, but has, other than the setting and characters, no resemblance to the book yep. at all. Yeah. Yep. To a sequel to the novel. Because Dr. Sleep is a sequel to the book, not mm -hmm. the movie. So he had to satisfy the king fans of mm -hmm. the book Dr. Sleep, mm -hmm. the king fans of the book The Shining, yeah. and the <laughs> movie fans <laughs> of the Kubrick classic. And he knocked it the fuck yeah. out of the park. Balance and all of those. And nobody showed up for it. No. Yeah. Like, when Shining originally came out, it was nominated for Razzies, yes. and it was largely dismissed. Yeah. And slowly over time, it is considered one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Yeah. And that is the fate that this movie fucking deserves. Mm -hmm. Doctor Sleep is a movie that should not have worked. It's yeah. like they, no. there was so much going against <laughs> this movie that yeah. it should have been a hot disaster. We should be sitting here saying, like, what a bad idea it was to even attempt a sequel to The mm -hmm. Shining. And honorable mention goes to the rest of his fucking catalog. You... Oh, Flanagan that was all good. is like, wow. I know that Ari Oster had that amazing one-two punch, yeah. but the awards still... Uh, it has out. to go yeah. to... <laughs> yeah, no, I understand uh, everything Ari Oster is... is is going to be great, like he may arguably already be great, but we don't have the body of work. Yeah, Flanagan is great right now. I he, he could have a complete bomb next year. Yeah. Oculus and I still, could be on this list. Yeah, and Hush and Gerald. Oculus game, was almost yeah. on mine. Hush and Gerald's game arguably should be on the list. I yeah. just arbitrarily made yeah. my own rules. It just spread the love yeah, a little no, bit, yeah. and I was. I love Doctor Sleep. It's a great horror movie. Like yeah. once again, and I is one of those painful things. I we even talked about earlier. I mean, I, I said to you. Am I taking Dr. Sleep off this list? <laughs> is this is that what I'm doing? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? I understand. I just want to be like on the record early to say this movie deserves better. It does. Yeah. Its legacy needs to be improved. And this is my effort yeah. to push that forward. Yeah. yeah. So. Is it your number, number five? five right. Oh, so we both had it at five. Right. Right. Because yeah. we were doing it. Uh, but I was following you. Like I'm backing your play. We're in the exact yeah. same spot. That's right. That happened Last sometimes. Last time we did it for Stir of Echoes, I yes. think we yeah. did it. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, Mr. Beckman, that, that means you will start us off in the fourth position. All right. So, this is how good this decade was. Because I'm going to make a bold, bold statement. Not since Aliens have I seen a better action horror movie than Train to Busan. I remember the first time, and I saw it with you, and I'd already heard about it and how good it was, but I was ill-prepared, because <laughs> I went, whoa, more than once. Um, I, special shout-out to, uh, well, of course, I'm talking about um, uh, Young Song Ho, uh, mm -hmm. who's the director of it. Um, amazing. Amazing. I think he also wrote it, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but I... I knew I loved this movie when I felt so upset when Mang Dong Siok, who plays Sang Hwa, that other father, 
who like just holds off the door just long enough so they can escape. Yeah. Where I think I audibly yelled, "No!" Yeah. <laughs> it affects you emotionally yeah. in a way that few horror movies do, let alone zombie movies. Do. Yeah. Like it gets you worked up. Yeah. It has one of the most infuriating Cooper characters in zombie movie Oh, history. yeah, that's yeah. right. The, this train conductor causes so much death and yeah. so much hurt, and, like, it just doesn't end. You, every time you think he's hit rock bottom, yeah. he's still gonna make it worse. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's, it gets you so furious. Yeah. And it also makes you so sad, and it also makes you so energized. Yeah. You are completely being handled by a gifted filmmaker. Yeah. There's an animated prequel which is okay yeah. and there's a basically animated sequel with the uh, special Peninsula, effects Peninsula yeah. which is okay but this Train to Busan is yeah. amazing lightning in a bottle I will back your play on that one 100% yeah, yeah uh, Train to Busan is amazing this is how good this this like any other I think top 10 horror movie like decade probably number one yeah um, but it's at number four. This movie moved me in ways that I just didn't think a zombie movie could. How many zombie movies brings tears to your eyes? It, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the emotional impact there. I didn't state it enough and when I was... It's really go, go, it. go, go, go. I mean, I know we opened up with like the father and daughter, even though they've been apart for a long, long time. And there's been the accusation that he's neglected her. And so mm-hmm. this is a bonding trip. Um, but the second that infected woman jumps onto the train, which is pretty early mm-hmm. <laughs> it is go 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 the soul station episode you know sequence like, just like as the camera sort of pans down the stairs and then it goes right into the underground much like a soul Korea subway station is ah train to Busan number well, four the direction I mean to direct something at that frantic pace and to keep control of it yeah Yep. And there's been thousands of zombie movies, mm-hmm. and especially in the last 20 years. Yeah. We've been hit so many, like, I just didn't think I was, it was able to be wowed by a zombie oh. movie. Yeah. And like, I'll be entertained, but I won't be wowed by a zombie no, movie. No, I, 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 I was yeah. wowed. And Train to Busan knocked me <laughs> over. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, in fact, we got into zombie movies, which were kind of dramas. Yeah. Or family pieces was kind of interesting in that decade, but... Yeah, to have one that was this action-packed, I mean, and and, and it's fun. I yeah. mean, it's, it's there's stakes, it's an emotional payoff, but it's a fun movie as well. Yeah. My number four, we're okay. So we're we're, we're sticking with um, Korea here. This is the best picture-winning film about an Asian family that I support a lot more than uh, the recent Academy Award winner. This is uh, Parasite. Uh, by Bong Joon-ho. The question is, is this horror? Is this film noir? Is this satire? Is it dark, dark comedy? I think it's everything. The climax of this movie is violent. It is brutal. The build-up to it, if you have the patience for it, is amazing. It is consistently entertaining. I, I watched again the other night just to make sure because I wasn't sure if I can justify putting it on here. This was another one where I think... Maybe some of the other movies kind of behind it are more traditionally horror movies, but this is a solid film as well. And in 2019 was such a great year for movies. This was probably 
number four for me as far as the overall films, but it's number four on this list for the decade. I, as I thought about it, I well, I, mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Well directed, well written. Um, Parasite lives up to the hype. Absolutely, yeah. I guess yeah. I would just say I never really thought of it as a horror movie. No, I took it as a tragedy or sort of a dramatic satire. Yeah. The concept of the movie is so strong, like the idea that this family starts to literally leech off of another one, one yes. at a time. They insinuate themselves into their life, and then they slowly find out that they weren't the first. And it's just a series of great reveals. But mm-hmm. I guess I, I see where you're coming from. But the, the under like the uh, the well, reveal underneath, like that section of the house that's hidden. There's been a lot of these. How everything falls apart. You know? Movies like I See You and a couple other ones where people find out there's someone else living in their house yeah. and they didn't know it. Uh, it's got that vibe to it. There's a scene where a couple are uh, having a sexual encounter uh, <laughs> in their living room, unbeknownst to them. There's a whole family in the living room with them. Yeah. And that idea is yeah. really disconcerting. Yeah. But. Uh, I love the movie. I just never the flickering lights when you everybody has a yeah. house where their lights flicker for a little bit. But there's just, actually somebody doing Morse code underneath. It's an affectation of the house. You just yeah. stop thinking about it. Yeah. But I love the movie. It's a fantastic movie, and it, it probably showed up if we were doing top thirty movies of the decade. But I just I didn't associate it with horror personally. No, no, and and, and I guess the other thing is like I, sometimes I I would almost define a movie like Shallow Grave as a horror movie. Yeah. Right, so and intense. this feels a lot like Shallow Grave, where one horrible thing happens after another, and it gets worse and worse and worse for these people, and then it just completely blows up with that that impromptu birthday party. Uh, and like, I mean, we we have a shish kebab, and it's not the first time we've seen this in the history of horror cinema sticking out of somebody's head. I mean, it's you know, and then you. The dark comedy of it, we have a dog that's eating the shish kebab after we're seeing the carnage from this. I mean, there it, it does bring some horror elements, so that's a little bit of my argument. But I knew it wouldn't be on either of your lists, and that, that it's, a que- it's a questionable call whether it's horror or not, because it's, it's kind of balancing a whole bunch of different genre in one movie. Well, I certainly hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it's the kind of selection that I would be more expecting from Jason's list. Yes. There'd be a lot of horror-adjacent movies. Yes. You know what I mean? L- like my Requiem for a Dream. Sure. In the last and again, one, yeah. I even said I would understand that being on someone's list. And there was no shortage of, like, real-world thrillers that you could have put there. I just... I really wanted to focus on the genre, so... I'm not... I won't shame you for it. Mm-hmm. I just... It honestly didn't occur to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... Fair enough. Um, so my fourth for real, not Dr. Sleep, is, yeah, another one that we're going to be reviewing. It, it was The Wailing. Like I said, originally, I just wanted to review it to cons- put it part of the conversation. Just such an endlessly fascinating horror movie. And then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, there's no horror movie like this. Like, this is a very individual piece. I can't compare it to anything else. And it does have that every genre possibly problem that you were just talking about with Parasite and that I've talked about with movies like Host and mm-hmm. uh, A Tale of Two Sisters or stuff like that where you're, you're just unsure of where you are. But in a horror movie, it's kind of good that like having them move your chair on you constantly is sort of what you're looking for. But 
you're never comfortable in the whaling and even though you might not understand it there's a lot of important setup happening in that first 50 minutes yep and then you get that last hour and a half where it becomes a pretty punishing horror movie at times yep mm -hmm. But there's so much to unpack in it, and again, we'll have time with it. It went from being part of the discussion to in the top five. Hmm. Fair enough. Should Fair we enough. save our discussion for the whaling for the review then? Or yeah. So the wailing. Mm. What is the wailing? <laughs> this is why basically the reason I chose it is because I wanted you guys to basically help me unpack it. It's, I believe, a very religious movie. Mm. It does seem to be steeped in its own culture, but it does have some Jesus content to it as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we spend the first 50 minutes or so of the movie getting to know the characters and the people in this small town, focusing on this police officer who seems a little bit checked out. And I started, like, checking off some of the things. He's a little bit... He loves his daughter, but he's, like, distracted by his duties. But he's not, like, the most diligent police officer. And yep. he, uh, he scarfs down his food with, like, great indulgence and... Uh, I started sort of counting off like some of the seven deadly sins he was representing because mm. even when I first uh, was w stepping into the movie, I knew that it had these big spiritual themes into it. So I, and they were taking their time in the first act. So I was looking for things. I was trying to get ahead of the movie, and I don't think that's a thing <laughs> that is possible mm. with the wailing. A stranger enters this idyllic community, mm -hmm. and at the same time as he arrives, a plague seems to enter the community, and it affects people to the point where they wolf out and act zombie-ish, or mm -hmm. act possessed, but also different, it's sort of ringing the crazies bell, where everyone seems to react just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And he sees this pattern of these people getting sick and self-destructing and killing their families and trying to root out the source to it. And it suddenly becomes incredibly personal and real to him when his daughter is the next in line showing symptoms of this illness. Everything in his makeup would believe, as most of the people in the community do, that this outsider was the cause of it. But he doesn't want to think it. He wants to know it. And he has to become the real deal. He can't half-ass his father duties, and he can't half-ass his police duties. Mm -hmm. So, with that as our first 50 minutes, and that is the puzzle he needs to solve, this is what's going to happen, you guys. <laughs> he's going to successfully solve the puzzle, he's going to improve his relationship with his daughter, and he's going to come out of this a better person and police officer, right? Yeah, nope. No, no. Close to the opposite of that. This is a guy who tries to do everything right for the first time in his life. 
and fails so completely that it destroys his life. Mm-hmm. And that's the wailing? <laughs> Maybe? Mm-hmm. And we also have shamans and mm-hmm. blood vomiting and, 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 and. There's demonic activity. Like, there is so much packed into this two and a mm-hmm. half hours. Like, if you're intimidated by the runtime, I promise you, they're going to give you a lot <laughs> with mm-hmm. this movie. It's a big meal, but mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of it. And the first time I watched it, I didn't know exactly how to feel about it. I just knew that I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want, chose it. That's why I wanted to talk to you guys. And then I watched it again, and I thought, no, I don't know why I doubted the horror aspects of this movie. This is clearly a horror movie, mm-hmm. and a really original one, and a really good one. Mm-hmm. But if someone was to ask me, what is it about The Wailing? Why do I like it so much? as I guess is the question being asked if you're assigning yourself to review it. I am still perplexed to put my finger on exactly the thing that uh, makes me love this movie (laughs) so much. Because really, it's like this long exercise of slow failure from a character that we come to like and cheer for. (laughs) It's like the Chinatown of horror movies (laughs) in some ways, but even more complex in Chinatown in no, it's, the it's, characters and it, the world it's a building yeah. it's a gut punch of a movie um, I, I guess the one thing is that it was like I said originally set up as a TV miniseries and which that's, I did not know that's interesting and so it if you look at it that way it is sort of told in chapters um, okay yeah I can see that but at the same time I, I, you know, the director had also just come out with this sort of critical hit The Chaser and they decided to switch it into a movie after it had essentially been shot. It's interesting because we always have to bring it back to David Lynch, don't we? But it's a similar sort of pedigree that Mulholland Drive came out of. Mm-hmm. That was, was originally going to be a TV show. It was going to be ABC yeah. or some, something. Yeah. And nobody took the pilot, so he added a bunch of stuff to the pilot and called it Mulholland Drive. Yep. <laughs> interesting. It made yep. it a lot darker, I think, than it would have been on network television. Yeah. Um, it definitely has that sort of episodic feel uh, to it in a lot of ways, especially just how it's paced and, and the beats of the movie. Uh, it's also very, you know, Korean melodramatic. The, the whole, like you said, uh, he like he's not a terrible father, obviously. And he I loves his daughter. Yeah, I don't think he's a terrible, even a terrible husband. No, but there's something about him that feels he's, a little bit checked out. He's oafish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I agree, the, the, you know, the great tragedy of the story is that, you know, he, when he finally starts doing everything right, it completely destroys him. <laughs> and he finds self-confidence and makes choices for himself. Yeah. And it all goes bad. I would argue the red herring of the movie, you know, because we were meant to think that it's really the woman at some point that is, you know, the villain, is not really needed. I don't think she's needed at all. I mean, she's only really there essentially for a, a plot device. Mm-hmm. And it's all said and done to say, oh, no, this is the twist. He was bad all along. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, I'll let you. I don't I want to crowd the reviews. Yeah, so. I mean, I, when we were doing the list, I said a lot of nice things about Korean cinema. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have two nice things to say about this movie. Okay. This was painful for me. I Not a fan. But that the child actor loved i think it's the best performance in the movie mm-hmm. um and the the one sequence the the sh- 
Shaman trying to do like that death hoax. It brought back pleasant memories. I don't know if pleasant is the right word, but brought back memories to the climax of Apocalypse Now, a movie I have great admiration for. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you said we got to a point where we really liked that main character and everything. I never liked him. You never connected to I him? Never, really? I never. I saw he was a terrible police officer. I found him annoying. And as the movie went on, I found him more and more insufferable. And I... I think if you can't get behind that guy, it's gonna hurt it's gonna be a tough, a tough slog through this movie. I, I see the ambition, and it feels like a big swing. And there's a couple things that you both said there that are making me think. Okay, and I I know like I I sound like I apologize for my reviews on here all the time. <laughs> like oh, if I didn't agree with with Larry, then I need to revisit it, and there's something wrong with me here. But um, but. The, the seven deadly sins I did not pick up on, so that would be something that would be good to focus on for mm-hmm. a rewatch. And the fact that you said it was made for television originally, the, that the, started the, to make a lot more sense. The, to I, me. Here's the shaman episode. Here's the episode where they're establishing uh, the murders and how what kind of a father he is. And I mean, the different but, tactics he's uh, trying to take to solve then, the problem. And then here's the, the the mysterious woman that shows up out of nowhere, which you know. I, I knew kind of where that was going kind of from the beginning, so I wasn't terribly surprised towards the end. But I I, I think there's you're right. It, like, it packs a lot into two and a half hours, and it's not an uninteresting movie. I, I just, and then maybe I was movied out when I was watching this, but I just, this was the hardest one for me to get through, mm-hmm. and I, I feel terrible because, um, and, I, and I, as, I, as I said, um, I think there's a lot of people that love this. Like it internationally, it I think this is considered yep. one yep. of the great horror movies of the decade. Um, it just didn't work for me. Right. Well, no, I'm a big defender. Uh, it was one of those. It was hard to leave out the list. It's an. E- it's not an easy meal. I can no, definitely no. agree with you there. Yeah. And I think that there's a little bit of no country for old men in it, in that um, it's kind of embracing a nihilism. The cynical idea is and it's played both on the character and the audiences the movie's leading us to believe that this outsider is responsible for the plague mm-hmm. but we're going to find out that it's not this outsider there's a bit of racism connected to too because well, yeah, he's, he's a japanese, japanese right yeah. he's an outsider literally yeah. and like his arrival so so it's too easy that it's this guy who just showed up mm-hmm. it's got to be something else it's got the shaman that he hires ends up to truly not be on the level mm-hmm. but he's working with the demon he tells him he tells him a lot of information things and he shows him these curses that have been put upon him and you understand him being taken in by it mm-hmm. but it also seems too easy that this guy is the reason for all of this so when the Deus ex machina, or the, uh, that's not the right word, but... I call it red herring. Uh, she does, this spiritual woman shows up with all of the answers for him. He's not in a position to trust her, no. because his daughter's life is at stake. Mm-hmm. And it, when, you know, he gets one story from one side and the same story from the other, and everything in his gut and everything in his heart says, this woman is too good to be true. There's just no way that she's been here protecting us this whole time and that things have gotten this bad in spite of it. Mm-hmm. 
I feel played. And it seemed like the right choice. Hmm. And it was absolutely not the right choice. Yeah. The outsider was the demon. Mm -hmm. They were right to make that assumption. They were right to vilify him and throw and, and throw him out of the land. And the movie sets him up. There's scenes where he's begging them to leave him alone and he looks sympathetic. But once that choice is made, he finally wolfs out full demon and celebrates his complete destruction of that character. Yep. I'll mention one other thing that made this an even more frustrating experience, which has nothing to do with the movie. This is not the movie's fault. I watched this on Tubi, which I like Tubi a lot. It's free, mm -hmm. right? The movies are accessible, and sometimes the ones that we cannot find anywhere Hard else are on to. Tubi. Yeah. And the commercials aren't that annoying. They know when to, to put them in. But the subtitles for this were so out of sync. Oh, really? Like, they mm -hmm. were always ahead of when the character was speaking. So I was kind of... It took a while for me to get used to that, and I think that not only was I not liking the main character, finding it long, and I was frustrated with the subtitles, so I was having a frustrating movie-going experience with it that might have might be coloring my review a little bit, but I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, even in the best of circumstances, if I had borrowed your, your DVD of it or right. and watched it in a normal way, if I would, if I would have the patience for this 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 felt to me like inland empire right you know which is a huge i guess insult to this film i, I don't hate inland empire as much but, but I, I had to watch it in two sittings i i really had yeah. a hard time with inland empire yeah. and that was not the case with this one i just think it's the same subversion that exists in no country for old men i don't mean it's as good as movie as old no country for old men yeah. but yeah. like everything that we're led to believe and expect out of yeah. this character and this outcome it's not just subverted, it is sort of destroyed and mocked, mm -hmm. and then the credits roll. Yep. And it's... Oh, yeah. It's not a happy number. I mean, such yeah. Such a yeah, punch yeah, in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I didn't, I'm not expecting every horror movie to have mm -hmm. rainbows and sunshine no. at the end, and especially the way, with some of the gruesome imagery we'd seen in this movie, you kind of got the feeling you were going to a bad place, but that the arc of this character was still going to be present. Maybe the town would be dead at the end, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be an entire story about this man's destruction. <laughs> like, I kind of thought I was in for, like, a I Saw the Devil type of a movie. Which, it's not as brutal as I Saw the Devil. Which was brutal and, and, and out there and, and unpleasant, and I'm fine with that. There's uh, hard scenes to watch in here, but there's nothing quite as over not the quite top. The same. No. Do, do you consider this to be a highly rewatchable film? Well, it's definitely closer to your hereditary yeah, or the witch in that it's something that I have a lot of respect for, but I'm probably not going to return to as often as Attack the Block or The Shallows. Yes, or, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that it's definitely not a, as a pleasant watch, but it was a surprise. It, it's You didn't know it. I, on some level, you, you know the kind of movie you're watching a lot of the time. Like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Sophie's Choice is like the, the ultimate, like, holy shit, this yeah. is the most depressing thing you can watch. But when you sit down to watch Sophie's Choice, I think you kind of know. You know what you're getting into. You know what yeah. you're getting yeah. into. And I think maybe that's the thing. Like, the movie spends so long denying you what it is and what it's going to give you that when it happens, it's genuinely surprising in a horrific well, way. Well, some things felt kind of like a silly comedy early on. Um,. And I've like the, talked about yeah. those tonal things that made me wonder, like, all why is that there? Mm -hmm. But I've mentioned it before. There's that scene in The Host 
where they're they're mourning, and they start pitching and throwing around on the floor, like throwing a tantrum like a toddler and kicking each other. And like people express grief differently, but Mm -hmm. this did not seem appropriate. (laughs) Like this seemed like an excessive and strange choice. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand it there. Like I didn't always understand it. I would be lying to both of you and my audience if I said I understood every corner of this movie. No. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just... How could you? I, mean, I really no. don't. Yeah. But I do really like it. And I think with me, it's this... I really value when I'm watching a movie and I have no idea where it's going to go, but I'm excited to yeah. find out where it's go. It yeah. just feels so original to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the component parts, when you break them down one by one... I guess maybe aren't that much, but it felt like I was watching something new. And maybe that's what I connected to so much. But like I say, I went from wanting to review it with you guys to putting it in my top five on a second viewing. So yeah. it, it hit a nerve with me, clearly. Yeah. And I, I have to say I enjoyed this conversation about right. it way more than I enjoyed the movie itself. But And I think it gives you the idea of how much but, is in the movie. Like Maybe get... <laughs> Maybe too much. Maybe I, 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 need, I did feel I played by the movie. Uh, I will say that, yeah. but you mean well done. Um, I guess I just did not see the exorcist being in on it. <laughs> that made mm-hmm. me go, oh, ouch. It's just being screwed on all sides. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's, 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 it's a really bad week for him. Then we're in the top three territory. All right, so here's my last tie. And I did this as a last tie because in a lot of ways their stories are unbelievably similar. So at number three, I have The Babadook by Jennifer Kent and Under the Shadows, which we will talk about mm-hmm. um, you know, in the podcast, so I don't want to spend too much. But they really are in a lot of ways the same story. Although one where I argue is about child resentment, where this, another one is she's very much deeply attached to this child right in the way that that's all she's got yeah yeah um i love the natural like honestly i love the naturalistic style of under the shadows where but i also love the fact that jennifer uh, the the babadook is very much in in love with german expressionism which is sort of like the you know real art movement of horror uh just a lot of the sets and look at the creature itself um, love the fact that it's not a happy ending really in either of the movies as well. Um, I don't know. It could be debated, but okay. Um, oh, no, it's not a happy ending with Under the Shadows. Oh, uh, well, Under the Shadows, no, the Babadook. I think the lesson is everybody has a Babadook that they need to feed. <laughs> <laughs> but I As th- a metaphor for depression or unhappy feelings. Yes, right? yeah. Um I don't know. The Babadook moved me in ways that was I hadn't felt like that quite in a while with a horror film, and to have that experience with Under the Shadows as well. I I just love both those movies so so much. So at number three, I have the Babadook, Duck, Duck, Under the Shadows. Shadow. All right. 
Anything you want but, to say, Adam? Are we going to be rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like the Babadook. It was a, it was a close call for, for the list there. And Under the Shadows made my list, and I was really happy that you introduced me to that film. And I was looking at, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and they had that at like the top 100 horror movies. They, they they had Under the Shadows. I think it was actually number one. Oh wow! And I think The Wailing was number two. So funny. You two seem to know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I know Mark Kermode is a British uh, film critic who I like a lot. Really loved Under the Shadow. He mm -hmm. would he would drop its name any chance he could. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's where I first heard of it. Yeah. Um, my my number three. I think it is actually the the superior film in his very short canon at this point. But this is where uh, Us, directed by Jordan Peele, I decided to separate them and you know let them kind of sit there for themselves there it's one i st I, I okay i was gonna rewatch it and i got my disc from ebay i put it in and it wasn't working in my sh machine and i'm trying to assess is this a problem with my machine or was i scammed out of Lame. money for this but it was anyway you should have asked larry if you could borrow his yeah I, sh I should have watched found a way to watch it again um, because I think it, in its way, I, it's a more challenging film than Get Out. And Get Out is a very challenging film, so it's nothing, not saying anything against that, but the, um, we are the world thing, hands across America. Hands across America. That is my problem. And I, and yeah, so I kind of thought. Hands across um, America. Yeah, and how that relates to the whole thing. But this idea of like this, evil doppelganger family and all of those scenes are just edge of your seat and the actors having to play the dual roles and Lapita Luongo wow. controversially I would say uh, uh, topped her Oscar winning performance she got robbed yeah, I'm not getting any. Uh, yeah, between her like, and Tony Collette in Hereditary, yeah. yeah, what the fuck does yeah. the horror like, genre? I, I don't know what they yet. have to do, uh, at least in the, the the female category. But yeah, honestly, um, well, that was going to be, yeah, yeah. I mean, Twelve Years a Slave was kind of her announcement to the world, but I, and I nothing against that performance. So when I revisited and reviewed it on my show it got even better for me like the the entire film it's a, a tough film to watch as well a real life horror story in many ways too but that as perfect a, a screen performance as you can get and um but you're absolutely right like everybody's good i wanted to get the name of um the guy who plays the husband is it winston duke i will take your word on it i think it's yeah. winston duke here and I you're right i Jordan Peele is just so interesting, and I, I am a defender of Nope as well, which I, I is, liked it whether so much more the yeah. second time. Yeah. yeah, there was like again the movie you're expecting and the movie you get, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm still trying to reconcile the hands across America, and I mean I kind of grew up around that time, but there, there's a real, yeah. there's always a a deeper message, and so I could sense when I left the movie theater uh, from us that he had lost some people that were Saskatoon audience just at this, at this movie and somebody like me, I need to rewatch it and I want to try to figure it out. And yeah, his movies are better on a rewatch, but I, I think this is more of an outright horror movie 
This no, can creep you out and scare you more. It's legitimized. Like, if you're, like, on the fence about whether or not he just got lucky <laughs> no. with Get Out, no, this one announces yeah. this dude is the real deal. Like, this may be arguably, I, when thinking of sophomore efforts, the only person I can think of is maybe Quentin Tarantino. I guess Ari Paul, uh, Ari Oster, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, yeah. that's pretty, you know, elite company to have. Your se- second movie is normally a, a, an abysmal failure after you have a breakout yeah. film and and this well, was solid solid I will, horror movie. I will I will outline my issues with us to you off yes. mic yeah. because I again yeah. I think everybody should watch us I think it's a great movie just for me it didn't make the yeah. top 30 yeah. uh, but I'm not going to necessarily talk complete shit about it like I said there were three <coughs> very high profile movies that didn't make my list because of my having a little bit of issues mm, yeah. with third act and we're going to talk about couple of them so but uh again i'm not gonna fight that yeah um my third position is fede alvarez's take on evil dead there were a lot of great remakes this decade i gave serious consideration to the crazies remake Mm -hmm. i gave serious consideration to the maniac remake Mm -hmm. the point of view work yeah elijah wood maniac remake is Mm -hmm. really good and it's still an exploitation film but it the way it makes you uncomfortable with the point of view Strong, but I had to give it to Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, the rewatchability for me on this is great. The fact that it has the blessing of Sam Raimi and that he's on board with it definitely helps. I think he produced it, did he not? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 Bruce Campbell. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you know they handpicked this director, and mm-hmm. I went in skeptical. This is not a movie that I thought I wanted. Sort of like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I was like, if you're going to do a remake of Dawn of the Dead, it better be good. But I don't know, you guys. Just make a kick-ass zombie movie or make a kick-ass demon movie. Don't call it Evil Dead unless you're going to bring something. Mm -hmm. And I really do think he brought something. The level of intensity and just the, the great solid cast. Fun fact, Jason, the moron in this movie who reads from the book, the protagonist from Spring. Yeah, that's same right. Actor. That's right. Yeah. You'd never know it, but no. it's the same. The way dude. they costume. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I just, I just love the hell out of it. I think it's a lot of fun, and the whole universe of Evil Dead is proving itself to be incredibly pliable. There is a great difference between Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two, and there's an even greater difference between Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And to that spirit, there is a great difference between Army of Darkness and this Evil Dead remake. But it is in the spirit of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. It is exactly the movie I think he was setting out to make when he made Evil Dead, and for making it with no means in the eighties, he did mm-hmm. the best that he could. And I think the same can be said for Fede Alvarez. If you're being tasked with making an Evil Dead remake, I think he knocked it out. It's a tall order. It's It's a tall order. It's a tall fucking order. Yeah. And there are no bad Evil Dead movies, in my humble opinion. I don't care. There's three I love and two I'm trying to wrestle with. So so I guess we've had our our, our say on that. Top two. Mm -hmm. Woo. Woo. So... I had heard about this movie for a while, and the next two films definitely lived up to the hype that you know was advertised for it. Um, and I went back and forth. Um, you know, these next two movies trade traded places back and forth, back and forth. Um, yeah, the sophomore effort 
by David Robert Mitchell. Um, it follows really. I there's to me it's a perf, almost perfect movie. There's nothing I would change about it. I love the soundtrack by Disaster Piece. I love uh, you know the rules of the universe and how vague they are in a lot of ways, and that's intentional because you know Mitchell knew that the horror you know audience are can get so nitpicky about uh, about the rules and how the they're almost played against or uh, the logic leaps that a lot of these movies have these sort of creature features if you will um i forgot how funny the movie is even from the opening beginning with the girl running in the high heels that's deliberate uh just sort of you know setting you up we're going to talk about this movie more um and anytime once again that you're you're, you're literally aping uh john carpenter mwah, and do it well um, his his love of those Panavision shots, where you can see a lot more of the creature. Sometimes, uh, it the movie has you looking in the corners, and yeah. it's playing on your paranoia for sure. But yeah. when you say that you, you you think it's an almost perfect movie, like I would say, it's an almost perfect movie until the third act. See, and then it doesn't make the top thirty. But we are going to be reviewing. We're going to be reviewing yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I have an explanation. I think you know for where you're going to have an, an issue of it. Um, I love the fuck out of this movie. Um, uh, it's stylistically very strong. Really like the cast. The concept yeah. is absolutely there. And again, in another decade, it would absolutely have made my list. But no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I and I, I'm afraid you're going to be like playing defense on this one, like is like um, with uh, Jeepers Creepers or something like that. And yeah. I mean, it'll be different stuff we're talking about. Um, I, I like it. I've watched it a couple times. I like it. It kind of got mixed in with a lot of these movies about kind of young people and supernatural forces. I, I did have probably more things I wrote down as weaknesses than strengths, sadly. But I know that you love this movie. I've mm -hmm. known this for, for years, and I'm, I'm glad you're being true to yourself here and putting it way high up here on the mm -hmm. list here. So I don't mean to be dismissive. It would... It's on the list somewhere. It's just not in the top 30 for no, me. No, no. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Number two was a, a mind-altering experience in the theater uh, that I will remember as long as I have memory uh, going <laughs> to movies. And I was kind of like, yay, Natalie Portman, you were finally back with good material. Annihilation. The, the third act of Annihilation, this is high praise for me, was was like at points 2001 a space odyssey oh, wow. like feeling like being in the theater seeing that when that first came out uh i i, I went to see it i i maybe didn't have a february release the high expectations but it went immediately onto my top 10 list that year uh i think it was part of the action april that uh, scott put together and i i forget if i put it number one there uh, any list where it makes sense for Annihilation to be on, it's going to be high up on my list. But the best way is I, I have a 4K. I don't have a 4K TV. I have a 4K DVD player, but I, I have no way of... Using but I bought the 4K for Annihilation because it has to be the highest quality sound and picture for me. And it will never equal that experience in on the big screen in a movie theater. This is a big screen movie. Yeah, I saw the, the sound, I saw it in the theater cinematography, too. 
the actors and pairing Jennifer Jason Lee and Natalie Portman, Chef's Kiss and Oscar Isaac just kind of in in the midst of one banger after another then like whoever is choosing his roles too yeah. and he's kind of minor in this like the women really do take over oh, the he film he had to uh, sneak away from star wars to, to get to do this. those things done i really do like annihilation i love it i the, love the it. sequence with that bear that's screaming the death cries of yes, their you're... colleague at them was like one of the most isolated by itself standalone horror mm-hmm. scenes <clears throat> one of the best horror scenes of the decade um I don't know. For some reason, I felt like I needed to choose between Ex Machina and and Annihilation, and Mm -hmm. I made the call for Ex Machina. But I do really like Annihilation. It feels more sci-fi to me, and uh, I I haven't read the novel, but it really did feel like a retread of The Color Out of Space. It's like they did a a sci-fi spin on Mm -hmm. Color Out of Space. Mm -hmm. And by all means, do that. And I wasn't thinking of that at all. I will next time I see it, probably. Well, just the idea but, that this territory is being created, yeah. it's growing exponentially and will continue to grow, For, and it affects everybody differently. Like, that's that's uh, that's it, the same description for both stories. It, it reminded me kind of of, oddly enough, Under the Dome. Right. Where, you know, we had this, but it, Under the Dome, it's not growing and going to no, take over the world. In. But, I mean, the, like the footage that you get and you know, like the end and beginning to end and... Wow, I just... I'm surprised it's that high. I figured it'd be on one of you guys' list at least, but you guys both put it way oh, higher than... I, uh, no, I I will always love that movie. I mean, if you told me you outright hated it, that's when we would get into a, <laughs> fight, fight, a, a, a hissy fit. But yep. I was glad that you put Train to the Busan on the list. I would have been very Oh, I know, you would, have been, you would have been very disappointed <laughs> in me if I had not. No, I happen to have Train to Busan as my number two. Yeah. Because I think it is amazing. Yes. And I was starting to believe that there wasn't going to be another amazing zombie movie in my lifetime. It was like, I wanted the zombie <laughs> renaissance, and then the zombie renaissance came in a way I could not possibly have fathomed. And now everybody's sick of zombies. And like, it's, yep. you know, The Walking Dead has six different spinoffs. And it's yes. like, even I'm like, okay, everybody needs to fucking calm down <laughs> with the zombies. And this was an... an Amazing decade for zombie movies, by yeah. the way. The girl with all the gifts, yep. the dead, yep. uh, the night eats the world. Yep. And, like, there's a bunch that I am not naming off right now that in future Larry one is now reprimanding yeah. him for not yeah. saying. Like, one cut of the dead. One cut of the dead is a lovely <laughs> rom or zomcom. Like, 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 I like warm bodies to re- again. Yep. But representing for all of that, I just say Train to Busan. All of those are great picks, and if any of them were on your list, and some of them were, I would celebrate them with you. But Train to Busan just knocks them off the fucking map. Like, yep. wow! Yep. Genuinely wow. Uh, like I said, I was not prepared. And it's so Larry. Like, it was for a long time number one, you guys. Honestly, yep. it was a rewatch curious, that changed my mind on number one. But, like... Yeah, uh, surprise, surprise. In my top five, I have a Stephen King adaptation, and I have a zombie movie. (laughs) (laughs) But they're really good. I can't help but be who I am, you guys. And that's who I am. Train to Busan is too. I don't feel like I need to defend that. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. So I guess that leaves it number one, eh? Yeah, it's number one for Mr. Beckman. All right, so... Once again, all I heard about this movie, the movie 
lived up to the hype and more. You described it as the movie really hurt you. Yeah. I think the movie devastated me. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about Tony Collette. Good God, how on God's green earth did they not even give any critical... Not a nomination? Not a, not like, no. <laughs> any time I want to call bullshit on the Academy, which there are lots of, holy shit, the dinner scene with mm-hmm. the son oh. and Gabriel Byrne is, I think, one of the best acted scenes, at least of that decade. It's so good. The son, Tom Wolfe, I think is the actor's name. Yeah. Unbelievable. Very and, committed performance. He, yeah. He was yeah. good too. Kind of under no nope. underrated, yeah. I want and Gabriel Byrne gives one of the best quiet performances. Mm-hmm. It's a supporting role. It's yeah. very much a supporting role. He gives role, the screen just, over to the yeah. other Yeah, which makes he characters. serves the story perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he knew exactly what he's doing. It just don't and he's not showy. It's just I think he's witnessing more than anything in that movie he's a witness and he really can't do anything he can't console his wife he can't save his son he is set up for death (laughs) and he's trying to be the peacemaker he's trying to like get them together for dinner he's trying all these different things but um did not see that turn in the halfway mark (laughs) with the young girl who i thought was going to be the lead of the movie Mm -hmm. and then just the sequence he understands grief. I think he's depressive. He suffers from depression. Yeah. And his mother issues. I think I've heard this from some people talk about Bola's Afraid as well, which I haven't seen, that he, it seems to be in, in all Paranoia, of his Paranoia, once again, kind yeah. of rings to yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, but what's, how he sets up all the little things in the frame, like that movie is busy in a lot of ways. But it's all controlled as well. Like he directs you deliberately with where the camera wants you to move, and you turn your eyes away from when, whether it's Colette or the mother or any other members of the cult that are hiding in the shadows. Um, it's a masterclass in directing. It's a stunning debut, I think. Yeah, it's his first movie. Um, well, he did some short films, but his first feature. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was just in awe. Of hereditary and had no problem i mean i agree with you it's not the kind of film that film that you rush out and you want to see again but moved moved was i yeah with hereditary and it's kind of in line with your mist the mist being your choice from the last decade you know in that way i mean there were well i do have fun with the mist as crazy as it sounds yeah it does have that go for broke holy fuck ending that, to it yeah but it's a B monster movie the, until that. The first two acts are kind of fun and the colorful characters. I yeah, I get that. It's a bit more fun than Hereditary, but yeah, um, yeah. No, it's a good choice. I just am still coming to terms with it. Um, and Colin's Detson did an amazing soundtrack to that as well. Can you after after we're done here? Can you explain the last scene to me? Because I'm off mic. We can talk about it. Yeah, sure. please please do because that's still my hang up. But okay, yeah. Number one. My number one. Um, I've given no hint of this ahead of time, but those who paid attention and when I kind of came up with the top of uh, movies of the decade, and I think it was the only horror movie that I chose as a as a best movie for for a particular year, and I think it was two thousand and eighteen, um, and a movie that I feel really challenged 
movie theater audiences to shut the fuck up. That is a quiet place. I watched it again the other night to make sure I cannot get past how much I love this movie. I did not know that John Krasinski could be as good a director as he is. Um, and Emily Blunt gives to me the performance of the decade. That's another one where... Of the decade, wow. She should have had the Oscar. She wasn't nominated. She won the Screen Actors Guild Prize. But um, again, it's... I think it got one nomination. Again, it was a well-respected movie kind of throughout the year, but it got a sound nomination, which it totally deserved. Um, made a lot of money and produced a sequel. The sequel is... I, I like it enough. I you know, It's not as good as the original. Um, but I, I cannot... And it was the experience of going to it with my brother there. And as I, I told you coming up here, my brother reacts to horror probably the most of any any of us in, in, in my family, well, other than my mom, who never would watch it. but uh, And he was right freaked out, and together we were like, I, I can't imagine a better movie this year, year and that year. And for me, I just I just go back to that one. I know it's a PG-13 horror movie. Uh, the, the child actors in there are great, and mm. the opening scene is, is horrible, because I still, I, I don't know why I didn't see that they were going to do that with the little kid in the first sequences, like we're set up for anything. And that brought the suspense and the tension. I felt like I couldn't sip my drink or munch on my popcorn. Without wrecking it for everyone. You know, and, and I had the right audience because nobody was making a sound. We were all on the edge of our seat. So it's the full experience for me. It was the best horror movie for me of, of the decade. I did not see it in the theater and it might've been a different theatrical experience. But I was talking about movies that I left off of the list because I had a problem. It was a third act, or it was good until you thought about it. And right away, I knew that A Quiet Place wasn't making my top 30. Mm -hmm. It was a safe call for me. Um, again, we're going to do a review of It Follows. I think It Follows works until you start thinking about it, and until you start taking apart some of the choices made. Mm -hmm. And the third... Then, and. While I was watching it, especially the first time, I was riveted and loving it. And the further away I get from it, the more I think about it. The more questions I ask, the more the movie, still very entertaining, still very well made, very good creature feature, any other decade likely on the list. It fell enough on me that I was easily able to take it off the list. I would say the same thing about Us, and I would say the same thing about It Follows, so I know I am hurting some feelings. <laughs> great movies, still great movies, but I found a flaw in them big enough that it was enough for me to... And that actually helped me, because it made more room on this impossible list that we were struggling yeah. with. But what again, off-camera, yeah. I can get okay. into more detail about what my issues are. But well, uh, yeah. one, one more note about it. It's the best thing that Michael Bay has ever been involved with. Oh, did he produce it? He, pr he produced it. <laughs> and I was... That, that immediately, I was kind of like... Oh, shit. Uh, and then... And again, you didn't see this coming from John Krasinski. And you're right. Especially in the beginning, there's a lot of great... Like, not talking down to the audience storytelling. Mm -hmm. Why are they being so quiet? Why is the camera showing us these shots? What's the significance of, the, uh, of these certain things? And uh, it, there's not a scene where they somehow cram in the exposition yeah. where the parents re-explain the apocalypse to their kids so that we're yeah. caught up. Like, yeah. no, it is very good. And the creatures are well-designed. 
Like, and and Emily Blunt giving birth silently. Yeah. Oh, yep. That works for me every time. But I still say the best sensory oh. horror movie is Hush of the decade, personally. Mm-hmm. But again, I would not want to oh. take away the experience from anyone, so... Yeah. If you want to get yeah. into it, we can get into it yeah, later. Yeah. I do like the movie. I don't want it to sound like yeah. I'm talking about it. No, I liked it. I liked it. But uh, it list. wasn't on either of our lists. Yeah, I didn't think it would be, but it's, yeah, for me. But it's a surprising number one. But I think I have a surprising number one as well. There um, Well, this is Train to Busan. That's number two. I rewatched a lot of movies that uh, I'd seen before, but not as well as looking at, you know, trying to be as thorough as I could. And... Honestly, it was one of those nights where, like, ugh, I don't, I don't have it in me to take in something new. I'm just gonna go with something old and reliable. I was gonna rewatch it anyway and see where it's gonna place on the list, mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. And then I watched it again and I realized, here's a movie that cannot be fucked over by a bad sequel, mm-hmm. and that is a tribute to horror, and that is, if you want it to be, every and any horror movie ever made. And it's called Cabin in the Woods. Yay! It's a brilliant concept. It's sort of like the uh, meta-winking area of the 90s finally got perfected in the early 20-teens. But anytime you're watching a horror movie and you're questioning the choices made by the actors, yep. you can now say someone leaves some woods. gas into the wo- room and the Cabin in the Woods people are just mitigating the circumstances. <laughs> Why in the world did that chick just take her shirt off? Yeah. Because they need to appease the Lovecraftian gods yes. that live beneath us, <laughs> who are in their eternal slumber. And can they fuck this up with a bad sequel? No, oh, they cannot. No. Another thing that I would like you guys to think about if you bring yourself to watching Cabin in the Woods again. Fun theory. Okay. Who is the virgin and who is the fool? I was watching this movie all this time thinking the pothead was the fool and that the Connolly, the super hot lead, was mm-hmm. the virgin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's the other way around. Yeah. Every decision she makes is wrong. Mm-hmm. Every decision he makes is right. They yeah. establish that she has slept with her teacher and anytime the, the subject of romance comes up, or didn't we date briefly? We, like, kissed once. He gets all weird and blush. I think that they sneakily pulled in a little bit of a subversive yeah. move with yeah. the pothead. Originally, I thought it's kind of interesting that they're making the pothead, who's usually the guy who gets killed first, yes. yeah. kind of the, the smartest character and the s- sort of hero of this movie. Yes. <laughs> Why are they doing that? And upon the most recent viewing, I think that was the conclusion. He was... The virgin. He mm-hmm. was the one who was meant to suffer and survive. Mm-hmm. He's the final girl. And, uh, yeah. And, like, I, again, I'd seen the movie several times before that hit me. And once that hit me, I could back it up pretty completely that I'm pretty fucking convinced that was deliberate. Yep. I agree. And, you know, I have to hand it to Joss <laughs> Whedon and uh, mm-hmm. the, the uh, writer-director, like, wow. Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard. Like, mm-hmm. well played, you guys. Yep. And... It is a love letter to the genre. Yep. It is a horror movie that any horror fan should be able to get something out of. Yeah. They may not think it's the best movie of the decade. In fact, I didn't until about a week and a half ago. <laughs> I just thought it was a really good movie. But 
I, I, I watched it in some... I just had this moment where it all fell into place. Like, mm-hmm. it's Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. It's Cabin in the Woods. It yeah. does the job. I think that it is the movie that you can watch again and again and doesn't, like, just sort of relax and end your day. And you can also use it as that movie that you need to show to someone who hasn't seen. It's remarkably pliable. It holds up to many repeat viewings. It pays tribute to most of your horror movies that you've seen and lots that you haven't. Uh, Impossibly smart screenplay, both funny and scary to a balance that really hard to pull off. I don't know. I was really having trouble with what was my number one. And for the longest time, it really was Train to Busan. Mm -hmm. But I just had this epiphany. And I decided Cabin in the Woods, for me, is number one for the 20 teens. Wow. I mean, I love it. I love it. When I saw it, I I knew it was going to be, you know, at some point in the the top, something, something of others. I knew it was going to be on the list. Yeah. I did not know it was going to be number one. Oh, so here's a question I have for you. Who do you think the gods are that show up at the end of the movie? What's your theory? They're the old ones. I think they were implying that they're Lovecraftian old ones. Mm. They even make the reference to the Eternal Slumber, which is very Cthulhu. The movies is so full of allegories. So I I guess on an allegorical level, who do you think the old ones are? I think what you're asking me is who do you think the old ones are? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> it's us, the audience. Right. You know, we want all these things. You know, we're the ones that uh, you know, drive the artist to create what we want in a lot of ways. We want more sequels, sort of. Um, but I don't feel like we're being shamed. No. It's no. not funny games or natural no, born no. killers where they're like, we're giving you this stuff that you shouldn't like, but we know that you do, and yeah. shame on you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> That's no, this movie is like, we love horror, and you yeah. love horror, yeah. and this is this amazing concept we have mm-hmm. to justify all of the weak corners in every horror it movie. It is a giant love made. letter to the horror genre. It yes. is. Mm-hmm. And one of the funniest horror comedies I think ever made. I mean, there was a lot of really funny movies. I love Tucker and Dale. Yeah. I love The Final Girls. I love yeah. What We yeah, Do Final in the shallows, Shadows. I love Housebound. Like, there was yeah, no shortage of so great funny. horror comedies, but this was a list of the best horror movies, so I was going to be selective, but it still made number one. It is funny, but I still think it's a horror movie, and a hell no, of a horror it is. movie. It is. Mm-hmm. Good enough? Good enough. Mr. Beckman, are there any standout honorable mentions that you would like to shout out to the good people at home? Well, since this was such a hard list, these are the ones that were really hard to keep off. And they hurt, Larry. (laughs) They hurt. Um, There's this documentary called The Nightmare, which is about sleep paralysis that I I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Just a shout out to that. I couldn't believe I took off both VHS and VHS 2 and Southbound, so they were also in the honorable mentions. A little film called Insidious, 
sure. I also thought uh, should be mentioned. Uh, it's also spawned another sort of popular film series in the decade. Uh, the Innkeepers was another one. I think we've talked enough about that one. <laughs> uh, the Curse of Chucky. And again, an underrated movie as far as the trend of like rebooting franchises. Like That one yep. was pretty solid. Yep. I don't find the Chucky movies scary as a rule, and that nope. kind of pulled it off. Yep. Um, also, this sort of serial killer revenge thrill called No One Lives. It is stupid. It is a great B-movie time, though. Also mercifully short. Um, the Meg. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Well, that should have been my number one. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did put uh, David Gregory's Halloween, uh, and... Um, I was really expecting that to show up on your list, to be honest. Yeah, first one maybe I thought would make it. I know you're fanboy for Halloween. Yep, yep. Late, uh, late phases. Uh, a sort of independent werewolf movie. Yeah, yeah. We saw that one. Yeah. And last but not least, this crazy balls to the walls, sort of surrealist horror. Well, maybe not surrealist, but horror black comedy called The Last Circus by Alex de la Iglesias. This sort of uh, Spanish madman who makes these sort of over the top horror comedies look away if you can yeah it is an exhaust it is an exhausting movie i will see that i i I think i'll argue though you're seeing the birth of two serial killers in that movie but whatever anyways those are my honorable mentions do you have any ones you'd like to shout out i have a lot here and some of them were already mentioned there by lee but i uh just a fun movie cockneys versus zombies okay uh yeah yeah, nearly made it on there uh the bay was close to making it it was a runner-up uh yeah i up until last night, I, I had, had I did have too. Halloween, you know, 2018 on there, and then yeah, I just I had to take it off there. Yeah, I mean, I The Conjuring, I I, I get it was it, I thought about some of these Bloomhouse movies, and then I just ended up not Cabin in the Woods, which was was prominent on your lists as well. Uh, I'm still thinking about whether I should have taken something out and put, in ca- put Cabin in the Woods in there. It's an important horror movie in, uh, in the decade. Um, Insidious, you mentioned Insidious. Uh, I saw The Devil just because the pure shock and horror and ickiness I felt after watching that. Um, a movie that I know you despise. You despise this. Uh, I, I kind of, and I'll revisit it and I don't know if I'll care for it as much as my one viewing of it but the neon demon oh yeah yeah i'm not a fan no i know you aren't baba duke um well represented the purge uh was also i mean i kind of like the concept of the first one it it felt like you know foreshadowing the the trump presidency so another great twilight zone movie yeah it's got a bit of that episodes yeah uh pedro almondover's the the skin i live in okay uh with Antonio Banderas, it's it's yeah. I talk about body horror, color out of space. Um, absolutely, forty-seven meters down. I'd alluded to. I like the I Happy Death Day was kind of fun for me. Just, sure. Yeah, light. A lot of light fare. Yeah, there was a I lot liked. of. I just didn't think you'd have the gravitas. A similar idea with the final girls. Like just, uh, what we do in the shadows, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. These yeah. are great movies, but they're kind of comedies. Yeah, right? yeah, more comedies, and that was what I wrestled with. I struggled. Comedy horror balances. Um, rubber. I get some fun out of Rubber. Uh, Blair Witch. I think overperformed for me, considering what it was up against. You know. Um, Dark Song was close. 
I don't know if I revisited this one if I would because I, I know lots of people despise the devil inside. It it, it it bothered me the first time I saw it. I didn't quite know what to, to make of it. but It's interesting. For and then sure. the ones that were really serious contenders almost made it the Meg. Uh, warm Bodies. I got a lot of, it's more romance probably than anything else, but I got a lot of zombie joy out of it. The Lure was very close. I just, you know, a couple problems with it kept it off the list. Uh, also, would you rather? Like, that's a, that's a great premise. Mean-spirited. And it was so mean-spirited, it almost made the lo- list here. I have a, I probably have another 20 here yeah. that I can mention, but I think I've said enough. So, Well, you guys have covered a lot of them. I think two that I want to shout out specifically that I felt bad not having on the list. And uh, if they did, it would be like the choice and maybe the honorable mention or a tie. But uh, the director of Jennifer's Body... Whose name is escaping me at the moment? Lynch. Um, oh no 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 no. Um, uh, Cassie Earl. Oh, she directed this movie called The Invitation. Yes. And if you've ever had to go have supper with like your ex for some reason, or you're just at a really uncomfortable party or dinner that you have to sit in, it's one of those things where that's where it starts. Like this sort of cringe uncomfortableness between people, and then the real motivations of the party gets mm. slowly sort of, like, yeah. revealed. And it could have been included on our cult episode because it turns out his ex has been caught up in a cult and she's using this, it seems, as a recruiting mm. deal, right? Yeah. And things escalate. And another one, which is also about an awkward party, this called Coherence. Oh, yes, I took yes. it down as it's a little bit sci-fi, but, mm-hmm. yeah, people are enjoying a nice dinner party and then a light in the sky, comet fashion by, and they go next door to see what's going on and consult with their neighbors, and they find themselves another group of the same group of people having the same dinner party. And again, this really twisted Twilight Zone, what the hell are we going to, ha- how are we going to handle this? How do we communicate who's real, who isn't sort of event happens? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because they're just two very dirt basic low budget movies set at dinner parties <laughs> that accomplish a great deal but really i would say 70 to 75% of the horror movies produced in this decade are worthy of a recommend yes sequels to movies i weren't that hot on the they did a, a sequel to uh, willow creek and sequel to the strangers and yep. by sequel standards both of those are way better than they have any business being. They did a reinvention of Suspiria. I'm not a big fan of Suspiria, but I always defended that it had its own personality and its own heavy style. And I would say the same thing about the original. I wasn't 100% on it, but it's got its own impressive style and its own impressive Mm -hmm. vibe. And, again, it could be a (laughs) list. Like so many movies it would be much easier to say here's a short list of movies that really disappointed (laughs) yeah like uh most of the low but mid to low budget (coughs) horror movies that were made with purpose you know not made by a committee yep seem to be at a minimum a b minus this decade like it was ridiculous so i i I will say this, though. The worst horror movie of the decade, 
I will crown here. If you guys want to fight me on it, I will listen to other nominees. But the dead don't die. No, the Jim Jarmusch. I still haven't seen it. You you warned me about it. The trailer when you were on the show years ago, and I said it's got the best cast you've ever seen for any zombie movie. But Jim Jarmusch will find a way to make it boring. I was right about that. But not only is it boring, it's an insult to people who enjoy horror movies and who enjoy zombie movies. It's a bunch of fucking self-satisfied celebrities making fun of people who are stupid enough to pay money to watch yet another zombie movie. It is infuriating. Uh I will never watch another one of this guy's movies. I am done with Jim Jarmusch. I hated that movie. Uh He had two-thirds of the best actors in Hollywood and he used them to lay a fart and I resent it. Everyone else was taking horror seriously, you dick. So, that's my nominee yeah. for so, the worst. So I'm, I'm glad it wasn't the Neon Demon because uh, your <laughs> no, review was the Neon Demon was at least had some ambition to yes. it. It was trying something. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they set out to make a good movie. The screenplay makes fun of how bad the movie is. Mm. It's got. Freddie got fingered level of go oh. fuck yourself audience. Oh. Like, I dare you to keep watching this. Are you still watching this? You idiots. <laughs> like, yeah. it's sort of the same thing I talk about those pretentious uh, horror movies that pun- they're sh- trying to shame you for liking horror movies. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't appreciate it. And this is that, and they think they're being funny. <laughs> no. No, thank you. Yeah, Sid. he's gone sideways. I mean, <laughs> I think of the stuff he did in the '90s or you know, the '80s as well. Hey, I like, would make excuses for Dead Man or, or Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah, but like, no, I am done with you, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody else has any. What do you think they want to get off their chest? <laughs> I'm trying to. Well, I'm trying to think of like the worst horror film of the decade, but nothing really comes to mind right now. What uh, does that tell you about the decade? Yeah, like, there's it, no it, it real was, go-to yeah. obvious like. What was that Truth or Dare movie? Or there was that one movie where not smile, but where they would get this weird smile on their face when the curse hit them. Uh, yeah, I thought that was Truth or Dare. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I watched it all the way through. I remember thinking I didn't mind Ready or Not. Like, like some of these felt like very uh, mainstream. Let's get kind of introductory horror fans into the theater to see these yeah. kind of colorful, like you know. Happy Death Day was kind of in that mix too. Yeah, where you know they had a little bit of a gimmick or an angle there. I don't think they're they're really bad movies. I mean, I, I can't, I can't off the top of my head think of I, of one that I have that level of how vitriol they? for. <laughs> yeah, I think the most disappointing horror film, the one that I was looking forward to, would probably be Crimson Peak. Right, uh, and and it. It's, it's not still, a bad movie, no. but I think we hold Guillermo to a little bit of a higher, higher standard. standard. Yeah, I, I liked it. To look at. Yeah. I liked it a lot. So I, at the time, I liked it a lot. But um, it doesn't make the list, though, right? Yeah. It, no, I mean, and I, I chose Pan's Labyrinth of the the best horror movie of the aughts. And uh, the yeah. fact that we're not talking about any Guillermo del Toro is interesting. Yep. The Shape of Water is not a horror movie. It has horrific it moments. It's a monster it, movie, maybe, but not yeah. a horror movie. Yep. Yeah. I think that's mine. Yep.
So, a quick summation of this epic three-part best of the 20-teens. I want to once again thank Lee Beckman and Jason DeBray for all of their efforts. Lee Beckman's list is, for the record, number 30, Beneath, with a tie with 47 meters uncaged. 29, A Cure for Wellness. 28, In Fabric. 27, Cabin in the Woods. 26, You're Next. 25, It's High Between Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and An Autopsy of Jane Doe. 24, The Barbarian Sound Studio. 23, The Lighthouse. 22, The Dead. 21, Oculus. 20, The Color Out of Space. 19, Crawl. 18, Bone Tomahawk. 17, Krampus. 16, Blood Quantum. 15, Us. 14, Sinister. 13, The Conjuring. 12, It Chapter 1. 11, The Shallows. 10, Get Out. 9, Don't Breathe. 8, It Comes at Night. 7, The Evil Dead Remake. 6, Annihilation. 5, The Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night. 4, Train to Busan. 3, tie between the Babadook and Under the Shadow. Number two, It Follows. And number one, Hereditary. Jason Dubray's top 30 of the 20 teens. Number 30, Catfish. Number 29, Revenge. Number 28, Blood Quantum. Number 27, Under the Shadow. Number 26, Piowacking. Number 25, Don't Breathe. Number 24, Book of Trespasses. Number 23, It Chapter 1. Number 22, The Belco Experiment. Number 21, Spring. 20, Crawl. 19, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. 18, Black Coat's Daughter. 17, Cargo. 16, You're Next. 15, Gerald's Game. 14, Hush. 13, The Witch. 12, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. 11, Hereditary. 10, Train to Busan. 9, Maggie. 8, The Sacrament. 7, Get Out. 6, Midsummer. 5, Doctor Sleep. 4, Parasite. 3, Us. 2, Annihilation. And number 1, A Quiet Place. And now, at last, we get to Larry Parsons, yours truly, my list, the correct list. <laughs> Here's... My top 30 of the 20 teens. In 30th position, Hellbenders. In 29, X Machina. In 28th, Crawl. In 27th, VHS 2. In 26, We Are Still Here. 25, Sinister. 24, A Tie Between Lovely Molly and Exists. Number 23, The Grey. Number 22, The Babadook. Number 21, Starry Eyes. 20, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. 19, Upgrade. 18, Terrified. 17, The Bay. 16, A Tie Between the Innkeepers and the Sacrament. 15, You're Next. 14, It Chapter 1. 13, The Shallows. 12, Gongiem, Haunted Asylum. 11, Get Out. 10, A Dark Song. 9, Attack the Block. 8, Hereditary, Tied with Midsummer. 7, Ghost Stories. 6, The Witch. 5. Doctor Sleep. 4. The Wailing. 3. Evil Dead Remake. 2. Train to Busan. And my number one choice, Cabin in the Woods.
those are a lot of horror recommendations, so I hope you guys got something out of it. Thank you for your ears. As always, I appreciate you. We did it. We got through all of those great movies, and there's so much more to talk about about this decade. I think that horror has been in a really good place, and it sort of vindicated my position. You know, Not everybody loves 80s movies. Some people say that the 90s were rocky. Some people think the 2000s were too dark. 20-teens, something magic was in the air. Thank you for listening. Please send your feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website's rankinreview.ca. Jason DeBray's program is the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. You should check that out. Definitely support him. Big thanks to Lee and Jason. Big thanks to my listener. My listener? <laughs> Hopefully my listeners. <laughs> and uh, Rankin Review will continue to drop every other Wednesday. Lots of love.